from Touchstone Pictures. If evil has a name, it must be Doom. Hide me, Eddie! <laughs> Judge Doom. His method is murder. His passion is power. I feel like an execution. And no man nor rabbit dares stand in his way. I'm looking for a murderer. Remember, you never saw me. Who framed Roger Rabbit? He's here. A Steven Spielberg presentation, a Robert Zemeckis film, rated PG. Starts Wednesday, June 22nd at a theater near you. Hey, uh, happy belated life day, Blake. <laughs> I forgot we missed life day. We missed life day. We were so busy with all the other holidays, we missed life day. We forgot to do our annual celebration of life day together. Yeah, remember you bought the red robe because you converted a couple <laughs> of years ago? And we were going to walk around in the darkness up on those stairs, and then uh, you and then, I got, then I saw a doc- documentary on Jonestown. I got kind of scared. <laughs> you were going to sing the song that Princess Leia sings at the end of the yeah. holiday special? Keep Christmas <laughs> with you. That's not it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, just dusting off all the uh, all the, the equipment after the, the, the holidays. We're back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're here. Um, 2019. Yeah, and it's late. <laughs> Nothing has changed. It's late on a on a on a Saturday it's evening. Even more late than usual. Even more late. You know, I've been uh, sick for the past couple of weeks since Emmett Otter. Since we did Emmett Otter, and it was one of those slow sicknesses that just it's yeah, it's yeah. just like a slow storm. It just lingers and it just stays. So I had a. So I, we weren't able to hang out, no. play with our Christmas toys it was, together. No, it was my mom kept me in the house, and I had two <laughs> weeks off I had taken at the end of the year, and uh, I was sick the entire time. It was terrible. I was all, you know, coughing stuff. I'm still coughing up mucus and all that. And so tonight was the first time we've seen each other in a long time. Since Emmett Otter, yeah. Maybe one of the longest breaks ever in our we've, <laughs> we've had since we started the podcast. Like, and uh, you and were so we had, brought my toys over, and we had to Yeah, we played a lot, and that was because, a fort. Yeah, mm-hmm. I kept the tree up. <laughs> And my mom's like, it's past the sixth. It's past uh, the twelve days of Christmas. We we got to take it down now. And that's, like, and that's why we're getting an even later start than usual. Yeah. And then my dad was like, "Help him taking it down." <laughs> so then we had to take the tree down. We had to take the tree down. Take it outside. Put all the ornaments out away. Put all there. Make sure that we didn't, and then we didn't lose any of the uh, the hooks on the, the ground. Hooks. And then we had to vacuum. It's, it's ten o'clock at night. We're vacuuming. You know. So it, it was a late evening. It's the wee small hours of the morning. Yeah. In the wee small. <laughs> Holy wool. So, um, we're here. I'm Dion Baia. And I am Jay Blake. And welcome to a brand new season of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. This season. And then you have all of our, we cut in <laughs> <laughs> the montage of what we're doing. Coming up. Yeah. This, Come, this season on Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. <laughs> you won't believe what I thought of that. And then I said, oh no, you didn't. And I said, get away from me. Get out of my face. Get out of my face. Get out of my face. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> and then things get only worse <laughs> when they add alcohol to the mix. Yeah, I've had to cut those. I know, yeah. TV shows. <laughs> those sizzler reels. <laughs> Blake's making it all kinds of crazy. We gotta make it, we gotta take a, you get the show all cut. And we're, we're in rickety chairs tonight, so you might hear us like, get the show, you get your show all cut to time. Yeah. And then like, you know what, we gotta, we need 45 seconds. You need to clear up 45 seconds so we can put in the, that come on up. this season montage. And then you got to figure out where you're going to take 45 seconds. 
You you have it locked, <laughs> and then you got to cut forty five seconds out of yeah, here and, and there, you, and then you got to cut the montage. But don't you start kind of going crazy with that? Like, I mean, that's like you know you're stuck there, and then you've looked at this so much, you're done with it, and then you got to go back. You're like, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, I've worked on a show where Blake's an editor by day, so this is what that's the frame of reference for everyone who doesn't know. Where for I can't remember if it was for History Channel or for Discovery, where you cut the show. And then for the first airing of the show or on the first night, yeah, you have to cut out like another minute just so that they... For that first air. For the first time it airs so they can have like another minute of commercials in the first airing. Which won't... So if, you watch, if you, you've watched... Your, you've been waiting for your show all week. Yeah. And you watch it on the, at its regular time, you're actually seeing less show than you would if you waited for a rerun. Because there's a minute more so yeah, like, commercials, yeah. So meaning that, what is it, just like tri- you're trimming off like heads and tails and stuff, or <laughs> stuff's getting cut cl- quicker? It depends. A lot of doors are sh- it is a weird. It's like a weird game of Tetris or something. It's yeah. a puzzle, to cutting things to time, and because you're like, I need to take it out here, a little bit out here, I'll take a couple of frames off of that. <laughs> yeah, and then you're still like, that's 10 seconds. You're like, I got another 35 seconds. Come on. It is a weird, getting things to time, because it has to be... Exactly, yeah. And yeah. each act, which is each, each part of the show, bef- you know, they they say you know they call it acts, where it's like you have the first part of the show, then you have a commercial, and then the second act is yeah comes after the first commercial, and each of those have like that can be between five and seven minutes long. Yeah, so you have to keep it's like a weird. That's math. us. I work in TV or t- uh, cable news, and we call them blocks: A block, B block. When yeah, you come yeah. back, and then those can always. You know, if you're there's breaking. a little bit of leeway, but it has to be between X minute and X minute. So yeah. it's a weird uh, game of break systems. Math and all that. And <laughs> Getting back to the TV, to TiVo, how TiVo knows all the different break things and all that. Anyway. Uh, but, you know, uh, we brought up last week, we were talking about Emmett Otter and you brought up the original Gord, uh, the guy that played in the original Sesame Street, the girl from the father from. The girl that was in Twenty One Jump Street, her father. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah, he Holly was the original. He he originated Gordon. I went and looked. He was the original Gordon. Yeah, and he was only in for like two seasons or so. He's in a couple early stuff, and then they switched him out with the guy we know and love, the ball headed gentleman. But he surprisingly looks very similar. <laughs> that, that can make some people laugh, not just because he's African American, <laughs> but he looks surprisingly similar to. In like you know, he had a ball head, he had a big mustache, and he might even had like a a goatee. He looks very similar to when they put the new guy in Gordon, who we know and love yeah. all these well, years. They didn't want to make it too big of a change <laughs> yeah, for the kid. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then they didn't know that what's his face was just going to die off in a couple of years. Um, Mr. Hooper. So. Hooper. <laughs> Hooper drives the boat, chief. So um, it's funny. So I do all my Christmas. Um, I do all my Christmas watching. I'll DVR. I try to watch like, you know, whatever shows are on. I'll see if they're airing Christmas episodes and stuff. So my DVR this month was jam packed with uh, Christmas episodes. So yeah. we got to the. Uh, Happy Days Christmas episodes. They had two two episodes. They had this episode from like season five. Yeah. They had an episode from like season two. So, so my was Chuck in the first well, one. So <laughs> yeah. So you jump in the gun. So my history with Happy Days is when I was really little, I was obsessed with it. Supposedly my parents tell me I, I had they had Fonzie Jack and all. I have no memory of any of this. Yeah. But yeah. I loved Happy Days. I love Fonzie. I love Laverne and Shirley. And I kind of remember watching Laverne and Shirley yeah, vaguely. Yeah. Happy Days. So. Uh, I've always known Happy Days, but I never watched it later in life. I never revisited it and watched it religiously. But now seeing this stuff, I was like, oh, you know, I should really go give it another pass. So we taped these two episodes. The first uh, episode we watched was season five. That was pretty cool. So it was they awesome. showed them out of order? They showed them out of order. 
the second episode was season two. So all yeah. of a sudden, season two is very different. You could tell they're still getting their footing. Is the, is the door on the wrong side of the exactly. house? So season five is like they're doing it in front of a live studio audience, so it's more of on a stage. So they're shooting it like traditionally you see sitcoms now where they're just acting it out like a play, and there's like four or five cameras taking like close-ups, mediums, like you see in regular sitcoms. Yeah. Season two, it's more like they were going in for close-ups. There's, you know, they'll do reversals where you'll see the, you know, on the other side of the camera, so you yeah, see the back yeah. wall. So it's all, yeah, so this season... Suddenly, their living room was all different. Like yeah, the stairs were in the wrong it's place. It's a different arrangement, yeah. and, and sometimes you get to go upstairs and see like Richie's room and his it's, brother's. Yeah. Room. and there's a brother's a brother. And they were doing reversals, and uh, you've seen the you know the back of the house, which you, this is the wall you normally don't see. So, what ends up happening is beginning of that episode, season two. You see uh, my old my my, f- my good friend um, uh, Tom Bosley from Father Dowling Mysteries is Mr. Cunningham. He's trimming the tree with. Um, Ron Mr. Howard, C. Mr. C. <laughs> so he's there with Ron Howard, and they're in a clo- They're like in a medium shot. Yeah, and they're like trimming the tree. They cut to a long shot, and suddenly there's some other guy there, some other kid <laughs> who I've remember. never seen. You no. didn't remember that there was another brother? No, I didn't. And what it would even make to make matters worse, I'm season two. Yeah. So he, this character's only in ep- either one or two episodes in season two, one of them being the Christmas episode, so they didn't even recast it. Yeah. So it's a kid I've never seen. So suddenly there's just like, you know, like young white male standing there like, yeah, that's right, Dad. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like a, a Letterman sweater? That, yeah. That's in my head that he was, the brother was always in a Letterman sweater. Yeah, with the big letter on him. And it, it's funny because it's not, you know, he kind of looks like... Uh, uh, all those acts like Timothy Matheson or what's his face, uh, 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 Jason uh, Robards. No, not Jason Robards. <laughs> Spencer for Hire. Uh, yeah, was just you know what's what's that guy's <laughs> name from Spencer for Hire? That was in uh, that uh, Robert Urich. Oh, Robert you know, Urich, yeah, he yeah. they you know how when they in, they're all in Magnum Force as the cops. Yeah, the, they all he, you know they all had that look. Well, he looks like just like a generic one of those, like you know. And I'm like, who, you know, David Soul. I'm like, who, I was like, who is this guy? So I start researching it, and like you're saying, lo and behold. You know, little did we know in season one of Happy Days, there was a brother that, that, you know, they had an older brother that halfway through season one, they just wrote out because it wasn't working. For some reason, for season two, they brought that character back probably for the, maybe it was their first Christmas episode. They're like, we got to bring him back because he supposedly (laughs) went to college. Yeah, I was going to say he either went to college or like the Korean War. (laughs) (laughs) But they, they recast the damn thing. So... When I went to go look up to see who he was, I go back and look in season one. In season one, it's Gavin uh, O'Hurlihy, or am I saying his last name right? Gavin. Gavin, where are you, baby? Yeah, I would say O'Hurley. O'Hurley, maybe? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, you know, but but that's so, and I know who he is, of course. Yeah. I know him from this movie. I know him from, he's very scary, Death Wish three maybe he's the bad guy with a big craw that did me a lot of psychological damage that movie and he's in a couple other movies but i didn't realize he's the son of the great dan oh her he oh her he from robocop season of the witch oh yeah you know what i mean that member he plays the old man in robocop ocp connell cochran yeah connell cochran yeah yeah of of season of the witch the of the shamrock company and he's also uh, uh what's his name the old man i forget what his name is dick not dick uh uh, we're, we're running on Steve. He's so also in Last Starfighter. Starfighter, yeah. Is he? He's the, is he? Which we've done all. Oh, he's the guy with all the makeup on. You're right. Done all those movies. Yeah. So he. So <laughs> this. So, <laughs> so this is before he's the the pilot. Yes. That, that he team that uh, that they team up with that has all the keys. Doesn't he's, he's, he's yeah, in he's in all the like the, the he looks like a turtle or uh, rept- yeah he looks something like yeah <laughs> he's got the, yes so. 
it's like we're making these connections and I'm like, oh, it's him and them. And then I'm remembering he's in Willow and you and I hadn't figured out the season opener yet. Yeah. So it's it funny. kind of a last minute. Yeah. We're trying to figure we out what to do. Tapes. Yeah. What to do. <laughs> and that's like when we pulled out Willow, I'm like, oh, I just two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, I just had this thing where, you know, this just happened. So it come around to week. T- so now, lo and behold, we're doing this week Willow from 1988. And? And? It's directed by Richie Cunningham. And it's d- directed by Richie Cunningham. Don, yeah, Ron Howard. So, yeah, exactly. So, it, it, all the forces combined. So, I was like, oh, this is so apropos that yeah. we just, I just had this little drama on my toilet bowl when I was looking up everything. My brain is like a weird uh, database of stupid sitcom stuff like yeah. that. Like, I remember a lot about Happy Days. <laughs> like, that stuff, for some reason, sticks. Well, it was weird because they I said... I watched a lot of Happy Days, though. I, th- th- full disclosure. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and was, and I'm planning a to kid, go on, reruns. I'm, co- I'm planning to go back and watch a lot of it. I mean, you a know, lot of Laverne and Shirley. My mom was a huge Laverne and Shirley fan. Yeah. So I grew up watching a lot of Laverne and Shirley, but watched a lot of Happy Days on weekday afternoons. Uh, you know, stuff like that. So I always remember, because I remember having that experience that you had... You know, as an adult, I remember having that as a kid. Be like, wait, what? Oh, who's this guy? Who's this? But then, <laughs> why is the house so screwed? Up? And I was at such a disadvantage. Why isn't Fonzie wearing a leather jacket? Yeah, what's going on here? And, and then they were doing like locations, like they were like, at, you know, they were like they're having cars pull up, and it was very like you could see they were putting a little. I would say they were putting more money into it, but I wouldn't. I don't know why season one and two would have more money than you'd think when they're riding high on season five, high yeah, in the yeah. high, they'd have more money then. But maybe so it, it was like, look, we're going to take you off. It's too expensive. And yeah, you got to cut costs. Well, and, so uh, Gary Marshall was like, oh, "What if we, what yeah, if we do we, it for less money? We'll shoot it in front of a live studio audience, so you know nothing's canned." So it was funny because so I'm at even more of a disadvantage where I'm one step beyond. They're filling in this guy who he's only acted four times in like the IMDb. This poor guy, <laughs> and he's playing, and I don't even know. He's and I wouldn't, you know, I, he wasn't like the greatest looking guy either. So I'm like, who the hell is this guy helping the the, the Cunninghams trim the Christmas tree? And it was some, it was the lost. Uh, the lost older brother but it brings us here tonight because uh when i went back when i was on the toilet bowl to check the filmography what the hell happened you come back to season one and season one we had mr o'hurley not here well there's also uh we have a few people that have been on the show before that are appearing tonight in tonight's i'm that's that's part of the show that i'm loving in the longevity of the show uh, that people we've had already all these connections they'll be like oh yeah fucking joe johnston the rocketeer yeah he's the executive (laughs) producer on this one yeah (laughs) and uh Uh, you know morbius is doing billy barty was on masters of the universe we had billy barty on his (laughs) yeah playing the cosmic key and and we had uh the the uh, what do you think the French artist Mobius, he's here doing, uh, you know, uh, conceptual work here. So a yeah. lot of people start, and I think there's a couple other people. You Even know. Patricia Hayes, who was Finn Raziel. Yeah. She was in The Never Earning Story, which we have a Never Earning Story episode. Yeah. Uh, have we done anything with Val Kilmer yet, aside from Tombstone? We did Tombstone. Yeah, yeah he's in Tombstone, and then uh, I don't know who else. What else do we anyway, have? So yeah, so it's funny when you see people start coming back. Of you course, know, Lucas. Of course, Lucas. George Lucas. A lot of similarities tonight to some of the Star we've Wars talked stuff. about Dennis Muren and Phil Tippett, I'm sure. On yeah, the show makeup and guys. And yeah. Fantastic episode. Yeah, and then it's it's even funner, too, of us playing the old game of mapping out. You know, we talk about, like, CGI and its infancy and all that. You look at its stuff here today. Well, yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize. I mean, I've said it on many of episodes, and, and the one that always comes to mind as the, as the one that I always remember talking about it the most was... I guess Labyrinth. But we talked about it with last week or last episode with uh, 
I'm an otter. I'm an otter. We're talking about like all the technology, seeing like f- you know physical effects, and in this case, you know, kind of the spawning of the morphing CGI stuff. And when Total Recall, we talk about it. Like I love watching the movies from the 80s, especially like these big spectacle ones, because we get, you get to see it all up on the screen. You get to see like. Yeah, all this it's magic. movie magic, like, yeah. and it's all effect. heavenly glory. <laughs> and it's we were just talking last year. We did Star Trek Part Six: Undiscovered Country, and there's a big morphing sequence in there. Yeah. And we brought up the morphing stuff, and we were trying to bring it back to like you know, there's the Michael Jackson video, Black or White. There's T2. There's um, the other big one that that, that 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 had some morphing in it, and we were trying to place where all the morphing. But it all started, started with this movie right here. Yeah, they paid, which they, is they, funny because. Which I completely forgot. Yeah. You know? Which is interesting because, full, you know, I've actually never saw this movie until tonight. Holy crap. <laughs> but the one thing I've seen a million times is that morphing scene. Oh, really? Because it's on every special effects show from when I was when we were kids. Yeah. Movie you know, magic. Because I, I ate those up, you know, like there was candy. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually just found a box of VHS tapes in a, in a storage uh, locker that we just emptied out. And I was looking at the tapes, and it's all, you know, like our two in a room assignments. And oh, it's all, our, it's all, all our, the, it's don't all lose the, them. Keep those guys. <laughs> it's all the VHS tapes of all our assignments from when we were in film school. But also, there's a few other things, and one is that special effects show that I'm sure I've talked about on this show before, which is hosted by Jonathan Brandis and Roy Scheider, and they talk about in the mouth of madness. Oh yeah, you did bring this up, and uh, I found that tape. And I was like, if only I can, now I can see if I can play it and transfer it to something. Do you have a VCR, work a VCR? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it wasn't working last time, actually. I'm going to give <laughs> it a head try. wasn't working. Uh, to take a test tape. It's <laughs> 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 the damn thing. That happened to me. Well, I, have one, I had one of those units where you put in the tape and then you could record it to DVD. Yeah. But I can't, that's the, like the DVD tray is broken. Oh, geez. So I got to figure out how to open it. Manually, yeah, yeah. Or maybe you can. And just I had it. I had it figured it out. Like I had a trick. Yeah. But now it's been so long since I used it. Yeah, I it's forgot been years. What, I forgot what the trick was. Well, that's so funny. So but you anyway. were you were looking up. You were taking stuff out and you were looking and finding stuff. Oh yeah, I found all those Todd McFarlane figures that we bought. Oh, you had them all put away. Yeah. I yeah. still got mine all out covered in dust. <laughs> the leather, leather face. And yeah. The Jason. The Jason stuff from that first series and all. Oh, going back down the going down the alley. Uh, this so this was your first because I remember we brought it up and you're like, well, I haven't really seen you know you I didn't know this was your first viewing, but I thought you said maybe you'd only seen it once or at the time it come out. I feel like I'm. I feel like I might have been. My recollection is there's a chance that I went to my aunt and uncle's house and my cousins were watching it yeah but like i entered to but f- they were already into it I you know, know what i mean it's so out of like what the <laughs> fuck is <laughs> who's that what are they doing <laughs> what is this stuff <laughs> jesus so like i have bre- i have some recollections of some visuals yeah but i don't remember i don't know I for sure <laughs> i don't know for sure if that's the case that i that i went over and they were watching it or if i just saw those on making of yeah like a movie documentary or something yeah yeah Uh, a movie show making of me i remember seeing this in the theater my dad took me my cousin and then my friend martin who i bring up all the time this was the first movie we went to see together in the cinema so that's and it came out i thought this was earlier but it came out 88 yeah 88's always messing with me (laughs) 88 dion has a tough time with 88 well it's funny bringing that up that joke up it's so when we were in the theater i remember seeing a trailer the first time i ever saw a trailer for who framed roger rabbit 
was before Willow. I remember seeing, you know, I remember watching the trailer and the whole joke with like him, he can't say balls. It doesn't rhyme with whatever. He goes, no, this does. And he kicks the, the rodent into the dip and all that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be getting all excited. And that was before this. And then I remember seeing this with Martin, loving this going home and then that whole day we played like willow in the backyard because it was still yeah. light out yeah, yeah, so we yeah. ran all around and i played the guy uh, what's his name now general kale i was like i have the child <laughs> that was always my line <laughs> i have the child and you know so we played I, I don't think we all played like little people but we played like we had you know we were in that world that middle yeah, earth yeah. kind of a world so i always had a huge affinity for this movie loved it when it came out and it's funny because again it's like the same thing we say all all the time here where I must have saw the crap out of this. I have, I, I probably haven't seen this past the fourth or fifth grade, and then watching this with you, it's like I was remembering bits, or I was remembering lines, or sequences, or you know, I was remembering um, sequences that I thought as a kid were boring, like you know, when they yeah, go yeah. like all the little people go in and they have that scene where he brings them to the town council and they're debating what to do. I was always like, oh, I, we got to get past this, you know. <laughs> That's the sign yeah, already. Come on, you know, and all the different, you know, so I'm, or meeting Mad Mardigan and like I've forgotten his, Val Kilmer's name, Mad Mardigan. Of course, like, oh, cool, of course, Mad Mardigan. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then the redhead and how hot she was when I was little and all the sequences. That's, you know? That's the other interesting thing about doing this show is seeing things that you haven't Bringing seen. Bringing all those memories. And then having like always being like you're just one step ahead of the movie because yeah. it's like the <laughs> your memory's coming back to you <laughs> you're remembering the next sport you're remembering five seconds ahead <laughs> as the movie's like so you're yeah. always like oh yeah yeah and it's yeah. all just like, or you're 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 remembering the memories you had so you've had you, you you haven't thought in 30 years of about something but then when you watch that scene or whatever you remember what you were thinking about yeah, you know yeah. and then it's then it's even worse you're like holy crap you know because it's opening these doors you haven't even thought about <laughs> opening for years you know all this locked away oppression and, <laughs> and abuse yeah, yeah. uh so it was it was fun coming around with this and, and this is something that's been on i think our radar since the inception of the podcast i think so we were talking about hey you know we were looking I'm at sure movies we to posted do things about it yeah on facebook and stuff and I don't know. We were trying to decide what to do as our first episode of 2019. Yeah. And last year we did Highlander. Year before that we did uh, Escape from New York. Yeah. And we always. Night Stalker. Year so before it got that. other, you know, other than maybe ni arguably Night Stalker. Transformers the movie. You know, we've always done something that was like really big. Yeah. For our generation. And then I would argue with things like Highlander and especially Escape from New York, like pretty big in scope. Yeah. You know, in an in, in ambition. Yeah. Um, and Night Stalker kind of fits in there since it was the biggest TV movie of all yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, you know, just a different just, generational. It is, but of that of that list of it is like yeah, which one of these out. is not like the <laughs> <other>? <laughs> which one of these is not like the other? Yeah. So uh, we so we're trying know, to certainly as big as those other movies for you and I. Yeah, of course. But, I but I, I'm just not sure how big it was for everybody, everybody else who's listening. <laughs> but you know what? We're all friends here, so maybe it's the same. So I, we were trying to decide what to do, and uh, I don't know. One of us brought up the possibility of doing Willow. Yeah. Because it was like, well, you know, that's one we haven't done yet. And it's it certainly is one that's ambitious as fuck. It's, it's fantastical, has the level of fantasy or the fantastic in it, and, and it, that kind of adheres to the past couple of years, so... Uh, doing that, and it's it's funny because it's like you would think this would have um, been not more popular, but you thought this would have had led to like a TV show or stuff. I mean, we do talk about there's books that came out, but I guess there what they were looking to jumpstart a kind of 
a, maybe a series. I mean, all these movies of this kind of scope seem like they are um, Kickstarters to hopefully a franchise. Yeah. And this certainly it seems so franchisable. Yeah, yeah, you know, where you could have had. I mean, I could see myself playing with like you know Willow toys. I'm sure they had toys. You know, or maybe McDonald's. I kind of sure almost Mc, rec- so recall thinking, having. You know, toys. yeah, like, like, like I didn't have them, but I recall there like being like a Kenner toys. or something like you know, or even like McDonald's, a McDonald's playset or something, or like you know with a Happy Meal. You can, now you can get Willow and <laughs> Crooked Stick, and you know, and so it's uh, you know it's. Uh, yeah, it's weird. So I would have thought this would have had all that kind of a thing, but well, it, apparently it just didn't do well enough. Yeah, uh, well enough you know. for the for the I guess that's a stiff competition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Crocodile Dundee two. Yep, big Rambo three. Rambo three. Well, it had a couple of sequels to some pretty big you know yeah. movies or franchises. So of course, eighty eight. Who framed Roger Rabbit? And also uh, maybe by eighty eight. Of course, the year before you had Princess Bride, but. Which is kind of different because of comedy, but it's but still it's the still world. it's still like a fantasy yeah. type world. And I don't know. I feel like maybe by 88, that was... Honda Wayne? Yeah, it was... Well... Because you figure in the... the well, they're ta- well, before you finish, they're talking about here trying to fan- finance the movie. And they were saying that they couldn't get financing. Uh, they went to all these companies. And the companies, again, this is like what we talked about 10 years before in the 70s. Everyone was saying to George Lucas, sci-fi is dead. Why do you want to do a Star Wars movie? And that became the biggest thing since sliced bread. So yeah, when you're yeah. getting to what you're saying now, yeah, all these because um, um, the 80s had some really big fantasy that movies. didn't go anywhere, and then the studios were citing them like Crawl, yeah, like uh, you said, uh, we did Labyrinth, like Legend, like uh, Princess Bride, Dragon Slayer, Dragon Slayer, a movie that I actually um, fucking love, <laughs> Dragon Slayer. So it's like you did have a, uh, I mean, the Conans I think did pretty well, yeah, yeah, but that's because Red Sonia, that's like Schwarzenegger, he's also riding that rocket and I maybe Brigitte Nielsen as well was pretty huge in the 80, mid 80s yeah I don't know you know I mean well he's in that he's yeah in yeah exactly Sonya, so. but she that made her for a while because remember she's like in Biblios Cop 2 and Cobra and Cobra and they were dating for her and Stallone were dating for a minute because she's in Rocky she's in Rocky 4 um, so it's like you know those the the Conans were big. Yeah. But then after that, I don't like you know all those others. And then what was the one? Trying to think what the what was the year where three D came back? That's because, probably eighty three because that had a bunch of them. You know there was a, whatever year was Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Yeah. Because you had uh, Space Hunter. Yeah. With Molly Ringwald. Yeah. Which was in three D, and you had uh, Metal Storm. Yeah. The destruction of. Jared Sin or whatever the full that was and those were fantasy movies yeah. and but I don't necessarily think those I don't think they did well did, either you know I'm sure they all might have done fine yeah but there was no like Staying clear you or, or like hit yeah like let's yeah and let's let's try to pen a sequel or something I mean would you even Excalibur Excalibur which is <laughs> what's that John Boersman the late seventies that that's another one of those movies that are very all movies by the way that. I remember very fondly as a yeah. kid. But, yeah, I mean, they just never seemed... To and it's weird, you think, too, because you think Disney at the time is doing Sword in the Stone. Uh, I feel like The Black Cauldron, right? Those are 80 Disney movies. We've talked about Disney at length in other podcasts. Yeah. Where those were the movies maybe, that were doing well as well. But maybe in animation, it was different. But the, And then what's Heavy Metal, and what's the other one? Um, everyone loves the other... Uh, well, they, well... I don't know what year he did it, but back she has the Lord of the Rings animated movie. I think those are the late, maybe the late 70s. Wizards, that's what I'm thinking of. Wizards. So it's like those, I would 
kind of extend the same kind of umbrella into all that. You know, this all seems like the same realm. And um, well, what we're saying is the '80s and maybe the late '70s and early '80s was a very rich time for, for fantasy cinema. <laughs> you know, and it, and it branches out into TV cartoons too. You had that. You had Dragon Slayer on television, the cartoon. You had. Uh, I feel like what's what's the name of the one where it was the arc? It looked like an arcade game, or the arcade game looked like a cartoon. Oh yeah, yeah, with the knight. Yeah, and you could you could choose your own adventure. How it's, it was balls expensive yeah, in yeah. the arcade, and you try. I actually interviewed the guy that did the music for that. Yeah, Christopher L. Stone. We didn't talk about it because we were talking about horror movies, but yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that was huge for like a second because it was like uh, you know movie or TV ready animation in this game. That that was the the, the angle, but then. It's like I, uh, this was ripe. I loved all this stuff when I was little. Yeah, but I wasn't so into it. Like there was people. I didn't know anybody who played, say, Dungeons and Dragons. I didn't know anybody who was like into role playing so much. Those early role playing, like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. So I never got. I'm sure if I had somebody who would, you know, open the door for me into that yeah. land. So I was like, hey, Dan, I got a fucking yeah. deck of whatever. Yeah, I don't I, even know how to play Dungeons. Yeah, and you know, and it's <laughs> like before Dungeons Magic. Dragons, you you know, come yeah, over I would and play. be. I'd be so into it. But sure, <laughs> you know. And so I would just instead play with you know. Know, the, play with myself. <laughs> I was said play with yeah, the toys. Yeah, you know, all, you know. So and then and I wasn't smart enough for all that. Well, kind don't of forget, thing. you know, competition. Big, big opens with their them Josh playing. playing that video game with the wizard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's so it's just you know, it does seem like there was a really ripe time there in the '80s that they were really throwing this this kind of fantasy at you. I mean, Legend was big, and that's another movie where I. I couldn't tell you if I'd seen that all the way through. Yeah. You know, but I remember I my dad like having a tape to that. And I remember, like, fast-forwarding through it. Tim Curry looked so badass. Yeah, he's so crazy that looking in so You don't crazy. even know it's him. And it's like, you know, and it's like, this is Ridley Scott. And it's like, what the heck? And it's all it's all nuts. And, you know, Tim, Tom Cruise. So it's like all these movies are so, or crawl. You know, like, they're just so out there for me. They're just, it's on another world. Um, well, you know what was interesting watching this movie for the first time is seeing how for the lack of a better term and I don't mean it negatively but like formulaic yeah these stories are it's always because I mean I guess it is the whole thing I mean like Star Wars was it's that hero's journey which is you, you love <laughs> <laughs> right up Blake Sally I was thinking that when I was watching I was like this is Blake's gonna come all over this but <laughs> this idea of having to like a road movie yeah you know which is what at least the, I don't remember the second two Lord of the Rings movies all that well but the first one but is the first one is definitely yeah. like this and the original you know, Star like Wars there's a mission yeah and the majority of the movies getting the to the destination or getting whatever yeah to, to getting whatever you need to get to there you know and this is uh, there's a lot of parallels you, you could you know put this with Star Wars with the whole but farm, when you I know. when I think of you know the fantasy type movies. It is there's a lot of that. Yeah. You know, and but you're another one. He man. He you know eighty seven. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Where they yeah. When not they, just the movie, but also the, the, the live action show which we did. It, we did on cartoon this, show which we brought up the Billy Billy Bart Billy Batty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we just yeah. But then I, there was the yeah the the filmation Shira He Man TV show yeah, that was yeah. big at the time. Uh, this idea of like you have to get you have to. Your your mission is to travel a far distance, or and as well and being get, the reluctant hero there. Yeah, too. even like Labyrinth is kind of like. That, yeah, I don't want to do this, or, but I I'm forced to. Or Labyrinth, she kind of she's well, she's doing well, she's going her. to save her yeah brother sister or brother or whatever yeah, because but, she was being a bitch. But this idea of like I have to go on this adventure, yeah, 
to get there. Yeah. Which I'm sure happens in other movies, but it was just well, it's like, like Wizard of Oz. It's like, you know, the well, whole, yeah, you totally. know, that whole Return of Oz. 80, <laughs> that's 86, right? I mean, you could you can almost put that in this realm. Yeah, there. I mean, it's it's definitely fantasy. It's yeah. just a, in a different vein. It's not like a more medieval style. Yeah, it's just another fantasy. Yeah, so it's like all these kind of like you're the reluctant focal character who either is forced to or is guilted into doing and then you have to go and you, your MacGuffin is like in this movie you're bringing a child to X, Y, or Z or Star Wars yeah. you're getting you're bringing the plans to save the princess you know Hayden <laughs> Fortress it's the so it's like all this I will say though that I'm glad we did this after we did Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah because <clears throat> for those of you that hadn't listened to our epic Raiders of the Lost Ark episode yeah. <laughs> We talk all about uh, the the original story and Lucas's vision for it and the script meetings. Oh, yeah, because they had all that stuff here. and and it gave me a, such a huge appreciation for, for Lucas for Lucas that and I, and I always I was never a Lucas hater, but and we talk about it in that episode at length. We talk about we lay it out like it really gives you a whole new appreciation reading that just like that me- you know, script meeting breakdown of he wasn't just the guy that was like I have this weird idea for a, a little person that travels with a baby. <laughs> like I'm sure having <laughs> having had that uh, having done that episode and done doing that research and reading the transcripts of those writing meetings. And seeing how involved between Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and I forget uh, Kasman, maybe the, the the writer they had, and then these script meetings yeah, yeah. were transcri- were recorded and then transcribed, and we read the transcription. And but it really, you, but you see how much Indiana Jones was Lucas's baby. Yeah, and like keeping he, Steven Spielberg kind of on track, where he's like, "Let's throw gorillas in, or whatever." <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, like, yeah, Steve, yeah, we yeah. could do that, but yeah, but this maybe. is what we need to do." And then he's also we do, it's it is a definitive conversation worth listening to on the law. Right? Of the Lost Ark episode. But it made me appreciate his involvement in this movie. And then you'll more realize... Than I, more than I would have yeah. had we not done the research for... Unfortunately, I don't think transcripts of these <laughs> script reading meetings exist, but having knowing, you know, having Indiana Jones be the brainchild of George Lucas and seeing how involved he was and how much it really was his baby... I can only imagine that it was probably how how the same. Yeah, there's a mention here that um, which they had the writer uh, Bob Dolman, who I guess of Caribbean Cincinnati fame. (laughs) 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 Well, that's that's another good point. You know, any I would imagine it was always kind of like this, but nowadays, like you would never get the job writing Willow. Uh, when your biggest credit is WKRP in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> well, that was a big show at the time. So, but it's like a comedy show. I mean, even as an editor, it was like I I see uh, job listings where like must have food TV experience, and it's like food TV. I do have food TV experience, and I can tell you that it is the easiest thing in the world to cut. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the fact that they won't hire you if you haven't done one of those shows. Yeah, it's, it's bullcrap. <laughs> so just knowing what the kind of, the tele- at least the reality television industry is like, I, now I can imagine, like, there's no way in hell a sitcom writer, no matter how successful the sitcom yeah. is, would get the job writing a multi-million dollar fantasy epic. I wonder if it would... I mean, he must have had some sort of connection to Ron Howard, or maybe... I think he and Ron Howard worked together on a pilot called, like, Little Shots. Okay. That I don't think ever became a series. And so... uh, But Ron Howard really liked him, and I guess they 
had a good working relationship and maybe had a, a, chemi- a creative chemistry that he liked. And so when it came to, uh, I was about to say Willard. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. <laughs> it came to Willow, he suggested that. And apparently George Lucas was a big fan sure. of debut camp in Cincinnati. <laughs> He's like, like, I'm a big right. fan of that show. So they get him. <laughs> so the three of them go to the Skywalker Ranch. You have Ron Howard, you have uh, Dolman, and you have Lucas. And they sit down from one of these uh, lengthy script story conferences where they must have again like we talked about from the reading the transcript of Raiders of the Lost Ark they must have went through the entire thing where supposedly Lucas had come up with this idea of Willow back in like the early 70s he called it Munchkins and it was around the same time I guess he came up with Star Wars or maybe around when he was doing W um THX. <laughs> <laughs> he was guesting the on... The new KRP THX. It's uh, 1138, 1138 in Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, he was doing... <laughs> what a matchup that would be. Um, and when he was doing that show, or that move, Jesus, when he was doing that movie, he he came come up with it. And it, we, we realized that Lucas is like an ideas guy for yeah, a certain yeah. extent. And, uh, you know, he met Ron Howard on uh, American Graffiti, maybe not but they work together on American Graffiti. So Ron Howard starts directing in the early 80s. He, he does what he splash. He does Cocoon. He does some other stuff. He does Night Shift. Uh, is it Night Shift? Night Shift is Ron the Howard. The first one, yeah. right? That's his directorial debut. I mean, maybe feature-length well, film. Well, I think his directorial debut is like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. He, he did oh, some movies right. for like a short, Yeah, some shorts or, or low-budget stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then he did... Night Shift, Gung Ho, which is one Gung of my Ho, favorite which movies you love. of all yeah, time. Yeah, Night Shift has Henry Winkler, and I think that might be Michael Keaton's first role, maybe. Well, yeah, it might be his first, but it's definitely Michael Keaton and Shelley Long. Yeah, Shelley, great, the great Shelley Long. So, and then there are he then Ron, so he establishes himself. He's able to successfully transition from being that little child actor on shows like uh, the Andy. Griffith show, show yeah. and then he's like we just said the happy days and doing some other episodic work television work and then now he's directing so he's doing post-production on cocoon he's at the skywalker ranch and that's when him and lucas start talking and they have a very good relationship i guess people are comparing it to how lucas works with spielberg like oh they're kind of symbiotic like blake and i so it's like yeah you want to work together sure let's work together yeah and i think i've heard that howard ron howard was also kind of interested in doing something like a fantasy movie or something a little bigger in scale, something yeah. that was a little different. And it just so happened that Lucas had been... Uh, had this idea, had right? this idea, which, he, like you said, he kind of first had the brainchild for it in like the early 70s. And then it was on uh, Raider, uh, Return of the Jedi... That he kind of had like, oh, like we could shoot this all with little people. Oh, because he's working with the people with who are doing Davis and, and the all the all the Ewoks, and he kind of has this revelation of like we don't have to, you know, whatever his idea was for the little people was working with like Warwick Davis that and and the other people that played the Ewoks that made him like, yeah, like we could do this. This is possible. And then it was, and then it says. Then there's a I heard saw a note that says that then he just had to wait for special effects to reach. I think he meant to catch up. I think he met in the in maybe in the early, maybe when maybe in the seventies. Yeah, when he conceived the idea of the Munchkins, he's thinking uh, the, the, he's calling this project Munchkins. That he's thinking maybe <laughs> both Blake and I both keep moving. We're yeah. in these uncomfortable chairs my mom has for parties. 
that we've opened up. Oh, you know, everything else. The house is in shambles due to the yeah, Christmas decorations. We're still putting the boxes away into the attic, so all this stuff's out. Um, so, uh, so I think he meant like he didn't From think the he 70s, could do it in the 70s because like not Lord the, of the... Yeah. Not the early 80s. Yeah, and then at the maybe the early 80s, he's still kind of conceiving, trying to figure out like how he can do certain sequences. Like the mon- Well, the monsters, I think, stop motion, but maybe some of the other... You know, Matt. Well, I mean, the only thing that really he would need—I mean, it was the morphing effect. But he probably didn't. Need, and, and even, even you can't. You, even, could, you can't even, get rid of it. Even by Return of the Jedi, he probably didn't even get, like imagine that that would have been possible via computer. Yeah, yeah. So he must have. He he was waiting. He was saying he's waiting for the tech, the movie technology, the special effect technology to get to a certain level that he was but, able. But to But it makes do sense this. if if. We're talking from what you're saying, you know, in '72. Yeah, he's thinking about. He was like, "Ah, I can't do that." But I could do Star Wars. (laughs) I could do a a (laughs) sci-fi opera western (laughs) (laughs) on a pedestal back lot. That's easy. (laughs) You want to see hard? (laughs) I'll show you what's hard. I was like, wow, can you imagine what he was thinking about Willow at the time? So, but he meets, I guess, Warwick Davis, young on, on as yeah, he walks. Yeah, a little kid, because he's only 17 when he makes Willow. When he makes Willow. So, and then it, he must have been so taken aback by, well, this, from what I've read, is that they had it, he must have had a relationship and was thinking, okay, I can maybe cast him as the principal in this in this project. Yeah, because I think it's... But it took a couple of years like still. On, like, an Ewok special, television yeah. special. Where the, so the legend goes, Lucas goes to... Warwick Davis's mom and says, hey, like, I have this idea for a thing, a vehicle for him. And so, and that was still like five years before they actually shot or released Willow, but it was like the wheels were turning. Yeah. And to, to be able to, to get this out. And it's, uh, it's big in scope. I mean, to, to get to all this, it's just when it starts, it's it's very Lord of the Rings. I mean, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of. Oh yeah, I mean, it's you know, total. It's, it's so, but I mean, well, here's the thing, you know, Lucas is like Star Wars is pulling from all these historical stories and mythologies to which craft. We brought up <coughs> in this in what our we did a, a surprise podcast last year, and I mean last year, 2017. Yeah, around Christmas of 2017, we did the first Star Wars movie. This 1977, A New Hope, and we talked all about where he went back and read considerably. With, oh, no, see, I don't remember it's any. all the Joseph Campbell stuff. Yes, that's it. Joseph Campbell stuff about um, the different kind of stories and where and they since, originate from in different since parts he was, of the world. And since this movie was conceived around the same time, it's understandable that it does have a lot of those same elements. Yeah, and plot similarities. Uh, but I would imagine... There, there's a very definite possibility that Tolkien was also pulling from these, yeah, these conventions, sure. these mythological stories, this history of of literature uh, and the Just hero's journey earlier. and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So, I mean, whether he's directly influenced by Lord of the Rings or not, I'm sure they both are pulling from other, you know, similar references. And yeah. Stuff. But it is when you, it is kind of amazing to watch this now post having you know the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings series. movies yeah. and, and seeing like how that. much of like a precursor yeah it really is and you know in in some ways it it, it, it is like this stepping stone to that 
feat of being able to pull off those movies because yeah. you know if just that morphing effect from in the cgi uh was something that catapulted cgi into like a real possibility like a real tool that could be used in cinema and it's weird that, because then we later talk about with jurassic park and all that stuff so w- whether you're going from like the story or the 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 little people on an adventure or whatever the whether you're pulling whether you're making that stepping stone from willow to lord of the rings you're you also have a huge stepping stone for a special effects technology and it's weird because they didn't approach him and say hey look what we can do they conversely approached the special effects people said we need to have the sequence yeah so they so then the special fix people figured out a computerized way to do it so that's kind of you know, I guess that's how it well, works. Th- then I think you know? Dennis Muren is kind of the unsung hero yeah, of, of CGI, for better or worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but he was the guy that was like, let's we could tr- saw had the had the the vision to see that like this is the future of cinema. Yeah, in the mid eighties. So through ILM. And he was the one that brought us the morphing, like hired the guy to create the software. He's the guy that went to Spielberg and said, hey, you know, we could do these dinosaurs. Yeah. In a computer. <laughs> yeah. And then did he do any young uh, Sherlock do that whole sequence? Where he probably did. I would imagine that had to be. That church sequence? Had to be ILM. Yeah. All that. So that's like all these important stepping stones that bring CGI to what we know today. It's 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 crazy to think that. T2 T2. Comes out. And, and yeah. And then we said well, that. Before that, the abyss. The ab- yeah, the abyss was a testing ground to see if it could look good for before T two. I mean, it's, it's amazing the just the history of effects. You yeah, know, I'm sure there are books written about it, and we've all seen special effects documentaries and stuff. But to think about, you know, from Milliers. <laughs> the silent era the, the French which is only what 120 <laughs> years ago you know the things he's doing with a trip to the moon to gone with the winds matte paintings yeah to you know uh, just this and, and then the Disney stuff the live or, action or stuff even, in the 50s and 60s or even Long Chaney with the makeup the senior yeah you know so, uh, and then Jack Pierce you know it's just like the history of it it's all you know you can make a distinction between makeup effects and you know practical camera effects and stuff but at the end of the day it's all a tool to create movie magic and there's a movie that they did they did a live action Snow White uh, what's it called and it wasn't Disney it was somebody else it was called like maybe the was was it the Woodsman maybe no I think the Woodsman that's a more recent thing okay the, the Woodsman unless, the, unless there's another movie called the Woodsman there's yeah well there's one recently and I think it might be the the guy who's Thor of uh, oh yeah that's the woodsman and if I'm thinking, I believe and then there's where he's meeting Snow White but then it's like it's Bob Hoskins is like last movie before he passed away but what they did was they you take these two elements and put it together and the seven dwarfs were CGI people on little people's faces or little oh, people's okay, bodies yeah. so you had like Patrick Stewart you had I think Bob Hoskins you had all these different British you know, maybe Ian McKellen, you know, he had all these people <laughs> filling out, you know, and it's weird though, because then, because that was another thing where I think, you know, the people who got, who were in the movie kind of got upset. They, it was like the David Prowse, yeah. you know, where they thought, I thought you were talking about though, um, like a movie from the eighties. No, no. Because I, I think about, when you do research for some of the, the little people in that are in this movie. Oh, they're, they're everywhere. They're time bandits. Yeah. Uh, you know, all this. And there's, it's funny too, because a lot of the co-stars when they leave his village, 
and they and he takes the, like the warriors with him with the baby initially. It's like I recognize all those guys from maybe seeing this movie so many times. The black guy, the oh, other sure. guy, you know, like yeah, I, like yeah. I recognize them all. And they're you know they're all I guess stock British, you know. And I I couldn't tell you last time I saw Time Bandits, but I I, I forget. I want to see how many of the cast of Time Bandits were are in this movie as well. Well, there's definitely at least two. Yeah. That I recognize for sure. Yeah, but it's like you know the 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 pool to pull from for little people actors yeah. was so small that yeah. the, you know that all these like they were all Ewoks. Yeah, you know, and some of them were uh, you know the the little the little people in Phantasm in the Phantasm. Yeah, movies. I mean even <laughs> Billy Barty, who we talked about, who's in this, who plays the elder he's like the wizard of the little people's village who yeah, we yeah. said is in the live action he-man you know he goes back years and there's another guy whose name is oh, yeah. he was his first appearance was uncredited in like 1930 yeah it's a, it's amazing and you think about the people who were like in the wizard of oz all those little people there's an actor who's in uh i know him in uh, high plains drifter there's a small person in that that eastwood it's like you know eastwood comes and takes revenge on this town without giving too much away and he, he kind of like puts the town to task for this horrible act that happened but the only person he doesn't really do anything to is the this little person in the town because the town picks on this little person yeah so at one point in the movie he makes him like the mayor and he makes him the sheriff but this guy's like a seasoned actor who if you saw i think you'd know and he's in tons of stuff so anytime it required like a little person yeah. from the early 70s before you'd see him so it's like all you know the court jester you see all these people Sure. So it's like again, where it's like you know Warwick Davis. You see, once you start recognizing these people, these people, it's like you know, there's only oh, yeah. Well, and like, you know, another thing too is that uh, the the I, I had a note on my notes here. The woman who plays his wife in this movie is phenomenal. The Warwick Davis's wife in this movie, the little yeah. person who, like, such a you know. So these kind of roles also, it's like you know, where else can people like that shine? Yeah, you know, she have a part that they're just not in some costume. Yeah, you know, being you know, uh, playing uh, the alien in space. Maybe. Yeah, or yeah, exactly, <laughs> or playing one of the people in like you know the freaking critters or something. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, or like you said, phantasm. It's like she's playing a role as a, a wife and a mother who's scared. You know, she hits it out of the park. And Warwick Davis, great job in this as well. You know, so it's 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 great when you have roles that aren't, you know putting them in a position where they're pandering and having to, you know, yeah, yeah. They you know. actually get to play a part. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, but like Tony Cox, who's like the black guy in it. He's in a lot of, he was in Beetlejuice and Spaceballs and yeah. Bad Santa. Yeah. And, uh, like the other one who, Oh, know, he's in, he's in Seinfeld, right too. He's the, he plays, he's like Kramer's friend on Seinfeld. They get into those adventures in the later episodes. I think. Yeah. I think there's, uh, there's the, there's one guy who's like Kramer's friend, but I think that that other guy, is in there too, uh, Tony Cox, and then Phil Fon- Fondacaro, who plays Von Carr, who's the, supposed to be like the greatest warrior in the village. Yeah, he has like a deeper voice like this with the yeah, goatee. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. for instance, like he was the guy that was in Fantastic Two, and I think he was an Ewok, and he he played Greaser Greg in Garbage Pail Kids the movie, but he's also in Bardello of Blood. Like he's also had roles where you know he's not bogged down by costumes and he's playing and himself makeup. to a certain extent but there are definitely guys from uh time bandits and all kinds of stuff yeah. and you know we're just talking about lord of the rings i think billy barty was one of the body doubles for the way for the rotoscoping oh for the original lord of the rings where they the would kind of batchy. they would yeah. film it 
and then they draw over yeah the, you know to get the the human emotion the motion yeah you know it's almost like the original motion capturing yeah you got to actually with, film it and then animate over it and so i guess american pop in those three lord of the rings movies and yeah and fire and ice fire and ice did like that. that there's too. a tom waits video uh the girl that got away maybe it's called where they they tested it ralph Bat- batchy stuff and it's all it's a, that's almost like a lost art you kind of got that that is evolved in itself now where you're kind of doing that where you're seeing them we talked about the muppets last week where they do now like stuff where they'll have like you do a muppet part and it gets integrated into a computer yeah. or you get the stuff with like uh, robert zemeckis is doing where you have to wear the balls the the, the little like mm-hmm. and then you have and to the like, sensors the and sensors stuff. and then you're able to put like you know the polar express and you do movies like that where you're unrecognizable like uh you know beowulf but it's you know you're getting to see a lot of that where soon i think you're gonna have which we might even t- hit on this podcast where like you know um where you had even for Rogue One, you had they they reincarnated freaking uh, uh, what's uh, Peter Cushing, you know, back yeah, from the dead, yeah. and they had a complete performance, well, which I think them? is an amazing, you know, a possibility. <laughs> yeah, but it's very controversial for yeah. obvious reasons. Well, you reasons. remember uh, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow? Loved it. Yeah, yeah. And then has Lawrence Olivier at the end. It's, it's like it's like the Oz. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So you get that, you know. And then there was a big thing in the in the late '80s and early '90s for people who don't remember. That was a big thing, too, where you'd have, like, celebrities come back and dance with Paul Abdul, like, in a Coke video. <laughs> you know, John yeah. Wayne. You had, uh, I think... Uh, Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire. You had probably Ben Crosby. Uh, you had a lot of people, like, doing that. They, they, you know, they they bring somebody back and they dance with Michael Jackson or something or, yeah, you know, yeah. or some kind of, you know, or I just you had know, a, Humphrey Bogart. I just had a, a, a memory, a... Uh, I had total recall. <laughs> yeah, total recall. <laughs> we were talking about the actors, uh, the little people actors in Willow, and we've seen before. There was one guy as we were watching it. I kept on saying, like, that guy looks so familiar to me. Like, he maybe he's in Time Bandits. I just realized he's the guy that's inside R two. Yeah, which makes total sense. Yeah, because he's a little just yeah. to see, like you know, seeing uh, the kind of behind the scenes have, yeah. and seeing and him coming seeing out, the, and, like seeing the guy who plays with a straw drinking <laughs> out. Yeah, it's so amazing that old. It's just it's you know, and it's and it's a great to and it's a and it's an interesting way to go at it because then you look, Jesus, what is it? Only like fifteen years later, then you see Peter Jackson approaches to get regular sized actors, and he just shrinks them with computer technology. Yeah. You know, and you could do it that way, leading to what I just brought up, maybe the Woodsman or the Snow Queen or whatever that other one's called, where they actually put just regular sized people's heads yeah. or faces on, you know, a little Not people. to be mistaken with uh, Snow White, Tale of Terror. Do you remember that movie from the 90s? Sigourney Weaver, maybe? Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, I do. And I remember that being like pretty, supposedly pretty good. Or I remember, it's like I remember being like dark it. or, yeah, like real remember, messed up. I remember liking that no, movie. Because oh, that's when you get into like the scary it's like almost like tales from the dark side when you take those fairy tales and make them yeah. like except for the seven dwarfs are not seven dwarfs they're just miners or whatever they're just guys yeah walking around and having a good time <laughs> they find her but yeah uh, I remember that movie yeah so it's like so this whole thing I mean the story of this is that uh, you know what they, 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 there's a it's kind of like a Christ child is born and there's a you know there's this this is going to like whatever there's Moses an evil, is or whatever yeah, you gotta put that put, put that put shit the down, down the river you gotta put that baby down the river and it's you know it's and it's like it's this, a blue song yeah you gotta put put that baby down the river <laughs> <laughs> gotta put that baby, baby down, down <laughs> put that baby it's, like give me my old time religion yeah put that baby down the river <laughs> <laughs> oh, suddenly we're singing spirituals here. <laughs> Gotta put that baby down the river. Um, 
Excuse me. But it's that, so, you know, there's a baby born that's going to fulfill a prophecy that you have the evil queen who's very out of like She-Ra. She looks oh, like yeah. she looks like she's right out of like the a costume He-Man is kind episode. of badass though. Yeah, she and you know, and you don't really get a lot about her whenever she's there, she's doing some badass shit. Her no, number 2 uh General Kale is freaking uh, totally know. reminds me of the guy from uh Game of Thrones. Which one? Like the Mad Dog. Oh yeah, what he wears. Yeah, yeah. But he's so sick looking. He's like he's like the Darth Vader of the era. Like he's got you know with the with <laughs> the, the skull the helmet. skull helmet. It's, it's so creepy looking. He's a badass. It's the uh, um, it's the guys for Kurgan. Kurgan from, from Highlander. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's that kind of the, the Kurgan. It's like that kind of a feel. Like you believe that's it's almost like the same world, uh, but. Uh, a baby is born that's going to fulfill a prophecy. It has a tattoo or a marking under its arm. And then, of course, the evil queen <laughs> is, uh, yeah, has a tattoo. Has born. A ta- <laughs> yeah, this, you know, a cassette tape motor. Uh, it has a marking. And then, so, of course, the evil queen wants to kill every, you know, newborn in the in the, in the the town or the or in the realm. And then this one baby gets away, goes down the river, and then to the little pig goes down the river. <laughs> and, it, and it gets to the, 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 the little people village, which is the... Um, uh, uh, what do they call these? The the small people, elders, I guess, elders, and then the tall people. They call them the uh, Dikini. So it's like they go to this this you know villages. It's it's all run Aldwin? by Aldwin. Aldwin. The high Aldwin is. Those are the small people. Billy Barty. Yeah. No. Well, then, so it's like the the different kinds of people. There's the yeah, yeah. The, the elder, which are small, and then the daikini or the big people. They call them daikini. The daikini. He's a daikini. So they find this baby, and then it's you, you could tell. Uh, you know they don't know what to do with the baby, and then if it's it's funny because then he's he's got his family. Uh, Warwick yeah, yeah. Davis like, just put it down, put it back down. Yeah, the put river. it back. Could be disease, whatever. Then the mother finds it, and the mother's like, and he's like, we can't take care of it. What are we gonna do? And then, uh, but there's already a tension because you know this baby barely made. I mean, I remember that opening sequence where the where the old woman puts the baby that to go down the river, and then those crazy devil dogs yeah, yeah. take her down like uh, that always freaked me out like there's scenes in this movie that are just so freaky for little like scary bits you have like the demon dogs you have trolls you have that whole pig sequence oh, at yeah, the end yeah. of the movie that is, that is terrifying <laughs> you have ritual you know all the all the rituals you have general hail and that skeleton mask it's like a lot of fucked up shit going on in this movie you know so it's like they don't pull any punches with that well, it's that 80s, it the 80s mentality where they're like you know everyone's gonna turn into pigs you know fuck it you know and it's like it's terrifying <laughs> Um, you know, she even turns her daughter into a pig, and you know, at that one point, it's laughing at it. So, um, getting back on track, so then they got to figure out what to do with the baby, and then it turns out that the people like get get rid of it. They're you know they're after well, the baby. The, the, the yeah, the hounds come. Yeah, so they've sniffed out the baby and they've come to town. Yeah, and because some people are hurt, they don't know. And then of course, with the hounds are going to come. The so know, they're like, well, now trouble's coming too. trouble's coming so let's get we gotta get out of here yeah <laughs> and then also they 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 even alluded to too that th- these people may be a little simpler too so they may you know they're they said they may blame the baby coming on bad crops they're looking at that kind of shit yeah you yeah. know or they're, or they're looking at bones what do the bones say you know so it's like you know the warwick davis's character knows this isn't good he can't <laughs> he can't you know. well, the thing is like it does seem like the society's a little backwards, but but Warwick Davis's Willow's like reactions to everything is like you got to get rid of. It. They're gonna blame the bad harvest on me, you know. Like he knows it's kind of all. It seems like he knows it's all kind of BS. Yeah, he's like, what the hell, you know? He's but like, yet you know, he wants to become a wizard. So. Yeah. Well, it's and then it's whole fun the subplot of him being. I remember the the ma- going to town to be the magic, you know, the magician and all that, and and him trying to do magic at a thing, and that other guy that his landlord who's a real asshole, you know, uh, and that whole excursion at first. 
so then the idea is they rule that they're going to just take them out of town and take them to like the crossroads. Yeah, and whoever the first you vote regular size daikini, daikini that, that, that we, you see, just hand it over. And yeah. we'll run. And then and so and then they're all scared because maybe the, you know it's and it, it gets you back to that kind of a, a Middle Earth kind of a Tolkien world. Yeah, where you're meeting all these different kinds of and I love that whole idea of the, the fantasy mid, mid you know mid mid what do you call that like dark ages kind of a world like we yeah, talked yeah. about at the beginning the Excalibur and all that kind of a thing and then this story just takes off you know at the, at the, at the uh, crossroads they run into Val Kilmer. I will say that like once it doesn't take too long to get going yeah. And then once it gets going, it goes. Yeah. Like, there isn't... I will say... Even the know, opening hook is kind of freaky. Where yeah, they, yeah. Where they, they gets out barely alive. Oh, yeah, I mean, it gets... Evil, you know, I mean, scary. yeah, I mean, it's got a great... They're killing children right up in the opening <laughs> credits. They're killing children. You know? I mean, it's got a great, like, opener, you yeah. know, but... And then it's like it's we a have little to establish a little bit yeah, yeah, of the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, and yeah then of course. One, but then once they leave town, it just they don't waste too much time with, like, shots of them walking up a mountain and stuff. It's like they get... They get to where the, the places where they're going, they get there quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, for me, like I said, this is the first time I ever saw it, but I'm happy to say that, like, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, there's always that danger when we do a movie that one of us hasn't seen before. It's m- 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 more often me, if I haven't seen it and I don't like it, I'm like, I don't know what to say <laughs> about it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I don't hate anything that we watch, and I'm happy to talk about it. But I just don't have the nostalgia <laughs> for it. <laughs> like, I just don't. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't watch it when yeah, I was a kid. I don't, I don't know. know what you're telling me. <laughs> but I did like it. I, I, I think, in my personal opinion, very few movies need to be longer than two hours. Yeah. Or longer than an hour and a half, even. So, well, these Marvel movies nowadays are like almost three hour mark. So for me, it's you like, get your money's worth. It's a little bit. It's a little bit long. Yeah. But not so long that like I didn't not die hard long. That's an inside <laughs> joke. Uh, got a big fight about that one. Yeah, clearly doesn't listen to our show. No, um, but so uh, but I it, I did enjoy it. Yeah, and I did feel that even though did you feel the Ron Howard hand, even on though it? it's like two plus hours, I felt like it moved pretty well. Yeah, you know, sure it drags sometimes, but at, you know, it's for the f- <laughs> movies that don't are few and far <laughs> and it's also the idea of the other you know it's the 80s and you know yeah I mean pacing's pacing, a little yeah. bit long yeah. and a little bit slower and there is that element of traveling and you know they're going great distances so it has to be a little bit of that you gotta have a little they can't just sequence. be <laughs> they can't just be like alright we're leaving and then just we're be here there. Uh, but they don't waste too much time yeah. with just you know walking and walking and Walking and talking about you know once they they leave and then pretty soon they find Val Kilmer yeah he's good in it too Val Kilmer's funny you know little Mad Martigan that that whole you know I remember that I loving that whole idea him and you know you don't know if he's bad or whatever when he's stuck when they find him in the cage that's great you know that whole thing and then uh, when the when the the big uh, army comes walking by we have what's his face Gavin O'Hurley he if I'm pronouncing that name right O'Hurley. Yeah. Uh, who uh, the aforementioned uh, what's his Happy name? Happy Days. Yeah. What, what's Dan. His name? Dan. Is it Dan or Chuck or Charles or oh, uh, Chuck from Happy Days? Yeah. You know he he has a conversation. He knows Val Kilmer and all this yeah, kind yeah. of like, like, great hey, foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck in a cage. What are you doing? Oh, well, you know we're gonna go fight to our deaths. Yeah. And then uh, there's a lot of stuff that we realize they leave on the cutting room floor. Or there's stuff that they don't fill out that you that ends up being in the novelization and being in the comic book. Sure. And uh, 
like later on when they get to the the whole time uh they're being told you got to get to this world they'll take care of the baby and then they get to the castle and the castle's all like everyone's turned into stone yeah very freaky very like out of like return to oz kind of crap yeah there's a there's a couple of like false starts i mean not false starts but like disappointments yeah you know not in terms of as a viewer but in terms for that for the character so like they got to go to the island and get the sorcerers yeah and then she's and then she's a she's a freaking or yeah, whatever yeah. because she'd been turned into in a, in a, in a duel yeah yeah and then you got to get to the castle and then, the and then castle. everything will be okay once we get to the castle but they get to the castle and shit's fucked up yeah everybody's everybody's turned to stone there and everything's all crazy and there's trolls running around uh excuse me um so it's it's like you know uh I didn't realize, but it makes sense that you that the daughter in it, the redhead that ends up having this sexual attraction or this this kind of romantic fling with Val Kilmer. Yeah, we don't know if it's sexual. Yeah, or just this some kind cr- of romantic this, connection. This connection they have together. Um, that 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 you there is a deleted scene where when they get to that castle that she finds her father in stone or in glass, and then she realizes that her mother, the evil sources, has been lying to her the whole time. That and that's bitch. and that ends up being the reason why later in the movie it's so easy for her to turn on you know and then the mother when she's turning everybody into pigs turns the, the even the daughter into a pig. Uh, I had forgotten that whole end bit. That's how long <coughs> I had seen it. I thought the climax was with that two-headed uh, animal yeah, yeah. thing, and I was like, I thought that was the end of it there. But then I forget that they have to then go to that badass. I couldn't help castle that castle scene when the well that castle looks like the uh, that should have been what Skeletor's. Uh, <laughs> You know, in the, in the live action, that should have yeah, been, yeah. Uh, what's what do you call that? Not Castle Grayskull. Grayskull. Is it Grayskull? Uh, no, the purple one? Skeletor is uh, the, oh, God. Yeah, but uh, that should have the been Techno that one. Drone. <laughs> the Technodrome from G.I. Joe. <laughs> the, that castle should have been the castle from the live action but one. But I couldn't help but see, feel shades of Army of Darkness in that oh, scene. Oh, of course. With, like, Val Kilmer fight, sword fighting on the steps. And, yeah. You know, but, which obviously Raimi... And Willow are probably both pulling from, you know, the old like the Errol Flynn movies yeah, yeah. And, and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, you know, that scene is very interesting because... Well, it made me laugh, too, that they're like, well, we'll break into this one. There's like four of them, and they're going to break into this huge castle. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a, it's a weird scene. It's very formidable. You have a full army, and Velcomer's like, all right, just... Uh, do the catapult? <laughs> you know? Oh, oh! You talk when they're when they're in the stone, or when or when 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 they're when they when start fighting. Them. When they're in the castle, they're just like, all right, we're oh, gonna the stone the stone castle. I'm yeah, thinking yeah. the one at the proper the end when you get to the sorceress oh, no, castle, no. that badass black one. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Should be the Skeletor's freaking, uh, you know. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, the, yeah, that I one. Know what you mean. But yeah, when exactly when they get there and there's a whole army coming at them and they're like, let's not like, close the gates. Yeah, gonna you know throw start catapulting things and throwing things, but I mean they hold them off pretty well. And I always loved that shot when he's trying to shut the gates, and you have the them on horseback coming towards him. Yeah, yeah, love that. And then I also love later on when they had the uh, when that monster came up out of the water and they all run away and they think it's him. You know, it's that classic thing. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. he runs out too, and for a minute they're all standing there. That's very Star Warsy, where it's like yeah, they yeah. all run out and then they look at each other and realize they're all like, oh, oh, and they're like, you know, we're not in the same. T-. You know, I love all well, that. You know, that's that two-headed beast thing. That's another. That's one of those effects that you look at now and you're like, whoa, like. Special effects used to look awesome. Like, yeah. Look how awesome that thing was. Yeah. All stop motion. And, you <laughs> He'll know. tip it. Yeah. You know, at his, at his height. It's, you know, yeah. there's definitely we, like a feel of the Rancor. The, yeah. You know, which he did also in Return of the Jedi, the yeah. Rancor thing. And But seeing that, I was like, holy shit, look at that thing, man. That yeah. is... 
And he goes on to do the Jurassic Park stuff, which we talked about in our Jurassic Park cast. Yeah, yeah. You well, he, they originally, he's going to do it as... Stop motion. St- like claymation, yeah. stop motion, and then... Jurassic Dennis, Park. De- yeah. Yeah. And then Dennis Murin comes up with it, and then he kind of animates it through the computer, which we... Go back to that episode. Yeah, you're not going to get into that. <laughs> but it's it's amazing the stuff that they're able to do. I mean, all the even the practical stuff. I mean, the part where they're all turning into pigs. How frightening is that? And it's all the prosthetics. And yeah, that know. reminded me of something. Yeah, pig I can't people? remember what, but like this changing into like a, like an animal or a, or a, almost like a plague type thing. Yeah, that rem- where they yeah. were all turning into animals. Yeah, but that was disturbing rever- for sure. I mean, especially for a kid especially you have that one shot where clearly they like dug a hole in the ground. So you have like the human top and the pig legs. Oh, moving! Yeah, oh yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. And then they're all just pigs running around, and, and and it's like, and then even like I keep alluding to when 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 she didn't turn her daughter, but then she's like, "You too!" And then the daughter starts heaving over, and she's like, "Ha ha ha!" I was like, "Oh my god, this girl's evil." <laughs> this bitch By is the evil. Way, like how attractive is Joanne Wally in this movie? <laughs> so much so that Val Kilmer married her. <laughs> You know, took her took her by the arm. She's gorgeous in the movie. What else has she been in? She most recently was in season three of Daredevil on Netflix. I, I haven't watched season three yet. She plays a big part in uh, season three. No, wait, did I watch in the season? final season? She plays a nun. Then I haven't watched what what seasons Punisher season two. Uh, yeah, so I haven't seen season three. Yeah, it just came out. Yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah. plays a really big part as a, as a nun in in the, in season three. That was uh, as I was watching, I was like. This woman looks so familiar to me. She's so hot, a ginger. And I was like, "Oh, she's in uh, season three of Daredevil." And then, and then doing research, you find out I'm like, "Oh, she was also in uh, the Man Who Knew Too Little with Bill Murray." Yeah, yeah, which is a classic, which was scored by my pal Chris Young. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, Navy Seals with uh, with God and the, what's the name of that you know they had the, they had the Charlie uh, Sheen and Michael, Michael Bean Michael Bean yeah Michael one of the, there's a sniper they call God yeah yeah, yeah. because when I was little she's in that but she also she's done a lot of like BBC television more BBC television and stuff than she has American stuff in at least re- recent years yeah but uh, was a lot of like who, who is that that looks she looks so familiar to me I was like oh she's in Daredevil yeah but uh, yeah yeah Val Kilmer yeah <laughs> God bless her and she even went with his last name for a long time she was uh, Joanne Wally uh, Kilmer and what when did they break up 96 I think so oh, they so were they together a while. married from 88 to 96 so like during his height the doors and thunder yeah yeah thunder heart maybe or whatever all that stuff <laughs> the same that we should do that movie thunder heart <laughs> my dad loved that movie that's the, that's the movie maybe we my have, dad to come maybe we could have Pat <laughs> talk about that any 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 Steven Seagal movie he'll come on, or, or that movie he'll come on to talk about. Uh, so uh, let's see, where 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 are we have this thing? Uh, Thunderheart. Is that <laughs> even the name? Is that the name of it? Lionheart. Thunder. It's Thunderheart, it's right? Thunder, Thunder something. Thunder Road. Not Thunder Road. Thunderheart, right? Where he's he's. It's the that was the movie he did after the doors, where it's like he goes to the to the reservation. Yeah, the yeah. Indian, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's the FBI I haven't agent. thought of that movie and. For I completely forgot that movie even existed. Yeah, he's on the cover with like a shotgun. Just mentioned it. As you said it, I saw the box. Yeah, it's him, it's him like on the with short <laughs> with hair the on the shot. Yeah, sunglasses. <laughs> you know, but you can clearly see here he's you know you, why they 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 potentially cast him as Morrison in the Doors movie. He's all very angelic here, no shirt on, all like that. Kind of thing. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's funny even the the uh, trolls at the it, that when they get to that. Uh, town for me or that castle is very reminiscent of you know 
uh, Laurel and Hardy's March of the Wooden Soldiers. The end of that, they, when that guy lets all those troll people in to like attack, then they have to unleash the wooden soldiers to get the little fairy tale in. Yeah. To me, it's very like I wonder if um, I was gonna say Lucas, or well, maybe Lucas and Howard were almost paying like homage to that because they the trolls look very much. They could have been freaker. They could have been more like like Gremlins, circa like Twilight yeah, Zone the movie. Yeah. But they're kind of more like a person in a suit. Reminded like a me of uh, Chaka from Land of the Lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, you, you know, it's just a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a pull for yeah, you. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it, the name and everything. Yeah, we can't even think of what happened yesterday, but he's like, Chaka from Land of the Lost. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, that's freaking great. Yeah, it has that kind of a feel to I it. I told you. Yeah. Like, weird, <laughs> weird, weird, weird old television show. Uh, when, they, when they finally do that CGI routine and they get that woman coming out, it's it's almost tragic where she's like, because remember earlier, doesn't when she's talking to Kilmer, cool. she's like, of course someone's going to be like, his name wasn't Chaka, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking idiot. <laughs> don't celebrate too fast. <laughs> that's totally real. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. Nobody says to Kilmer when, he, when, they're, when they're trying to get her to turn back into the, it's funny, the jokes were like that. The first one was scary for me when it, she turned from like the possum into the crow. It opened yeah, the back, yeah. opened, it's freaky, and it, she comes out. But later when they're trying to get her, she says like, I'm pretty. And he's like, turn her back, turn her back. And then when she finally turns, she's really old. And it's because she's yeah. been stuck she's like, like I that. haven't really, like, has it been that long? It's so Which sad. is like, very sad. It's freaky, ain't it? Like, yeah, it's yeah. in a weird way. It's like she's she's been as, you know. She doesn't even realize it. Yeah. And you get a little that in the, since we're talking about it, what is it? I think it is the, the maybe it's the Black Cauldron. The Disney movie where there is a there is a sequence where the 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 wizard fights the bad girl and they 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 turn into different animals. It's very yeah, famous, yeah. you know. And then so it's like you know them doing the transmorphic stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was it's it's all so there's a lot of lines in this movie too. We always talk about there's lines that you have no sense of uh, ref, frame of reference to, but they explain so much. You know, like we talk, we did that in you know night uh, escape from New York and all these things where there's just one line. I'll have so much like. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. like maybe Total Recall where you have so much like brevity or, you know, just, just girth. <laughs> just, just so much, the so shaft. Much girth. Yeah. Yes. It's gleaming shaft and girth. <laughs> um, but there's a couple lines in here where, where he, where, um, uh, where they're talking about the wand. It was like, you know, Lori, what did they say? Lori, uh, Damanyumi's wand or something. And it's like, that's, you know, it's like, we're supposed to know what that means, the wand. And she's like, oh, okay, that's the proper wand to use. And, you know, so you got a lot of like, I would love to have seen, I mean, they do go on and they do two other or three other books of this, but it would have been cool to expand this world and yeah. have a Saturday morning cartoon show or something. Well, I mean, even if you went and you did a prequel that shows the battle between... Even that would have them, been freaking awesome. You know, how she gets turned into a ferret, you know, or whatever. Whatever that story is would be pretty... It's like the Clone Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, they did the cartoon and... You, you know, know, that would be intense. The other person, I who's been on the show recently was Kevin Pollack. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Growing up, I always thought for some reason that was Lenny and Squee. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Michael McKean maybe, and... Maybe, um, maybe it's inspired by Lenny The two of them, yeah. like, you know, so I always had in my mind it was them talking gibberish. And then when I saw in the credits Kevin Pollock, I'm like, Kevin Pollock, who the fuck's Kevin Pollock? Who the fuck is Who the Toby? Who the fuck is Toby? <laughs> it's like, I'm trying to figure out. And then it's we only had him on the show for Grumpy Old Men in November yeah, of last yeah. year, and he's I back. I like Kevin Pollock, oh, though. Oh, cool, yeah. I told you, there was a time there he was in everything. <laughs> you know, it was in his contract. He's going to so appear in every movie. Impressions of, of Peter, Peter Falk, Falk and <laughs> Tom Yeah. 
yeah, so I didn't even realize it was him. I, I, I didn't even recall how you know how young he must be in that movie. Uh, and it's because it, then it's another thing. It's like you start wondering, like in certain sequences, they disappear. Like what happened to them? And then it's like they have to run. You know, they, get, <laughs> they get forgotten. Yeah, and yeah. they got you know they like you know you have the whole sequence. I mean, there's a lot of plot points here where it's you know they meet Mad Mardikin, who's kind of the Han Solo character, and they got to go to like to a the pub they end up going to or the the bar. It's kind of very like the Tatooine. Uh, uh, what's the name of that place? The, Cantina. The Cantina. You know, it's like so you have, and then you have the whole sequence where I like. You get that sequence where, of course, you need to have like the horseback carrying something, and they're fighting on the cart. You know that whole yeah, sequence. Yeah. You, need that, you need that sequence. You get that like in the Indiana Jones movies. There's a lot of stuff you gotta in here. Have one of, you gotta have one of those. Yeah, but it's it's like a lot of even the music cues, like the parts where like him and when Mad Mardigan and her have like a look, and you start hearing that 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 lush. It's almost like John Williams is coming. Oh yeah, well you know, James mm-hmm, Horner, is yeah, joke. And in the, Horner stuff in this was. The, the stuff that he a- ended up putting down for this ends up being used a lot as temp music in the 80s. Yeah, and 90s. it's very familiar. Yeah. I mean, I, I was wondering if it's it's partially that, like you do hear it. You know, there's a time where, you know, I'm sh- maybe they still do it. I don't really watch sports anymore, but they would use popular movie themes for yeah. like sports <laughs> montages <laughs> yeah, yeah. before the game or whatever. Uh, but, it, but it was also this, his, he takes a stance where Horner Horner does with that like it's you know he's looking at it from like a mythological standpoint like this history it's old world and then takes a a uh, you know uh, uh, takes that concept but then in execution he decides to pull references from all these classical pieces which people take umbrage with some people because they say he's he's ripping off of it yeah i mean people say that about john williams too yeah i've heard that i mean apparently he's a little more upfront about it than john williams is but that's you gotta think you gotta think of one you know when it comes to music you know how many notes are there there's only like seven notes or some shit yeah well, even stories. Yeah, how many stories are there there's only so many combinations yeah And, and and as more stuff gets written those combinations get kind of filled up. But I thought it was really interesting that I could see that people would have an issue with, with Horner kind of pulling from influences that, uh, you know, include Mozart and Bartok and Grieg. Um, Willow's theme uh, kind of has a, a a direct link to a a, a Schumann piece called Symphony Number no. 3 and, um, and a Lara... Alara's theme, the baby, her theme comes from a uh, a Bulgarian folk song, but I could see that like people would have an issue with that. But at the same time, I think it's like very smart. Well, that, yeah, well like, it's familiar. Yeah, it's familiar, and it's you know there was a there was a TV show, and I don't I'm not going to mention it because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But there was a TV show, you know, a number of years ago. Where they he means you're not gonna smell it for me. <laughs> <laughs> you probably, I think you might have seen it, where they take like a a, a popular song that we all kind of know, and it takes and it's supposed to be and, but at the end you realize that what you thought was going on wasn't the what was happening the whole time, and that this song has been, you know, is as old as time. You know, tale as old as time. <laughs> it's a tale as old as time, Dion, and that goes with for songs also. Yeah, of course. And so this idea of taking music that is kind of 
in our psyche, in our DNA almost, and then applying it to this like, like muscle old, memory, old world country, medieval thing does kind of. I think it's you know I think it was an interesting. I think it's a stroke of uh, a brilliance. I mean, you could certainly say that maybe he's you know ripping off of stuff, but the other way he explained it, how you're explaining it, it's like he's almost utilizing that stuff that he knows certainly educated people or people of that era will maybe be a little more hip onto more of the yeah. the, the popular classical but uh, most viewers will just have it it will be familiar to them yeah and they won't know the logic behind it or what it's pulling from but it gets across ultimately it's it's effective in what he's trying to do which is you know create this timeless feel for the music yeah and uh, you know, it's it's something that I certainly never would have thought about while watching it. But there was aspects of it where I was like, "Have did they use this for promos or something else when we were kids, or it, or is he doing something that you're that's really familiar?" Like yeah. there was th- well, they both little do you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, having spent you know the last four or five years of my life or whatever focusing on almost entirely film score. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm kind of thinking of it, I think in a way that maybe most people don't think about it. Like I'm, I'm a little more aware of, of things. So there was this, like, is he just, is he pulling from familiar classical pieces or is this just something that I saw? I've heard a million times on other things. And you're right. It's, it's actually both. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, he, th- um, and it works very good for me on those levels where you're able yeah. to t- take that out and have it work that way. And, and you have this kind of connection. Like for me, I, th- I hear like the John Williams cue were from the Indiana Jones movies that like lush, like maybe it's Miriam's theme, but you know, when he's, mm-hmm. when you have the two looking at each other, you know, it's like, I, I felt almost like shades of that when yeah. you, even well, though it's it's, this really, isn't Williams. It's really hard, you know, in my opinion to watch anything from that time period that's not anything from the like the 80s that has anything to do with George Lucas or Steven Spielberg and having a classical score and not having it like harken back to John Williams like yeah. not having it like bring up that John Williams feel because there's something about it's not just John Williams's music it's John Williams's music connected to the sensibilities of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and the way yeah. they, and the way they make movies. So whether you're watching something that's scored by uh Alan Silvestri or James Horner, whether it be Back to the Future or Young Sherlock Holmes or something and then you hear that score and y- y- like you almost assume it's John Williams. Yeah. <laughs> in a way because it has this feeling the movie has this feeling that's very familiar and it's very Spielberg or it's very Lucas. And so to have orchestral, orchestral classical music happening, you know, there's, it definitely does like contain automatically, I think contain vibes of John Williams. See, for me, that also uh, happens visually too, where if you get a movie that has either connected to a Lucas or a Spielberg of that era of the eighties, like the sequence in this movie, when they escape the, uh, the when they're in the snow village and they escape and they almost go sledding. Yeah, you yeah. know that's to me very much like Temple, Temple of Doom, Doom <laughs> where, you know, on the <laughs> yeah. raft. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's almost like you have that kind of era special effects of them blue screening with the lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's like you get a lot. You get very much like there's someone posed a question somewhere here where, you know, 
is does Willow take place in the Star Wars universe somewhere? Is is this a planet somewhere where you can conceivably see tomorrow like a stormtrooper walk, you know, come down <laughs> on a, on a ship? And, and yeah, someone like said no, Lucas. Somebody, I, I don't know if Lucas has officially said it or somebody connected to it says no. These two worlds are different, but I could see, you know, if you look at the tech that the Ewoks are using, sure, this could very easily be yeah, on yeah. another planet, you know. The mother moon of Endor. Yeah, you know <laughs> that this is all happening on <laughs> that the Empire just hasn't taken over. Yeah, yet. or show and come down and like introduce this. Clearly, is still, they don't have the ability to space travel yet. Yeah, because they're they're just know, waiting two thousand years behind. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, I mean, Ewoks didn't weren't able to do any of that. I mean, did e- Ewoks had fire? I forget how far along they were. They were, you know, or even spears. I mean, spears. You know, Chewbacca's people of wherever they're from. I forget what they're from now. That name of that town, Kazik maybe Wookie Town. Wookie, yeah, good old Wookie Town. Uh, so it becomes this great story and it's like you know you end up caring for all these people like the baby they picked were, which were twins I think were, it's phenomenal very expressive very expressive and you fall in love I mean they they said that you know the baby was too young to have hair at that length so they had to use some sort of syrup and put like a little wig so you have a little ginger wig yeah. and then by the time the filming was almost over the baby had outgrown so they had to get another baby because the twins had outgrown the filming so they and then they they gave him like a fake baby to walk around with which was heavier than anything because it's all animatronic you know so and then you think <laughs> what Warwick Davis is having to do he's got to like learn an accent he's got to learn how to ride horseback he's got to learn to take care of a baby he's got to learn magic you know he's got to learn how to like probably like spear he's only 17 he's only 17 you know it's 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 quite a uh, and then he's wearing a wig too you know and I'm I'm sure everybody maybe Val Kilmer's wearing a wig everybody's probably wigging it up wigging it up you know even at the end where you know they it's like I love the sorcerer's battle it's like they're getting down they're pulling their weaves out (laughs) you know I mean they they just go and they go at it and it's some real hardcore like they're sucker punching she's like it's like all that really hardcore uh but it's it's it you, i don't know it's like it takes you on an adventure which i really loved i love the exotic locations the different people they meet it again reminded me a little bit of the end of uh big trouble in little china oh, when all the three people when they're when they're fighting with <laughs> the, <laughs> no way they're like fighting the lasers yeah, at and each it's other. like oh you know, i'm making the, the <laughs> movement with my hand the, the low pan <laughs> Move it with his hands and all that stuff between the two of them. Yeah, it's very, but it's you're waiting for that because there's Which, the setup. By the way, they travel little China, even though it's contemporary, takes place in contemporary world. Uh, stretch for yes, it's, it's very, very fantasy. It's, it is yeah, totally because it's about fantasy. it's about that world, isn't it? The, it's got these, that crazy head thing. And but it, uh, but isn't the story like they've been around for that long for thousands of years? Yeah, yeah. So they go back to the, the old province province of China, you know, and then it, you know it's been taken to the what is that San Francisco or L.A. I don't know if they ever actually mentioned it, but I think it's supposed to be San Francisco. Yeah, because when I was little, I always thought it was New York City, Chinatown. But then when we watched it for the podcast, I realized that it's not, it can't be because they're they're like at LAX or something or yeah, yeah, at yeah. the beginning. But you have that f- because they set it up. She keeps saying, if you can, if you can, you know, put me, bring me back to my human form, I could, I can save everybody. I fuck shit up. <laughs> I will fuck shit up. You know, and it's like, and it's, and it's also the key has to get over. It's all this stuff that you know, young Blake loves that. You know, you're a hero who has to find himself, and, and he's well, very a, well. The difference, and she's is, like, you have to believe in yourself. You well, know, the whole, that whole that, that whole Rocky shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean, but the, at the end, he has to remember. He has to like he he has to like he's like fuck it. You're right. I don't need. It's like the I don't even need. What was what movies that where it's like this? You didn't even need this. This was uh oh yeah the yeah, wand yeah, yeah. is it was wasn't a placebo. Yeah, you didn't need that. It was all up here, kid. Oh well. Yeah, I mean, it's a little more like Rocky. I was gonna say it's not. It's unlike the things <clears throat> of it's unlike last starfighter or star wars like willow has 
no desire for anything bigger. I mean, I guess he wants to be a wizard, but he doesn't. He has. He wants more things, better things for his family. But he doesn't want to go off on an adventure. But there's a bit of an economic recession, and, and then his, kind of his bills are piling up. Yeah, I mean, he's and a the farmer, farmer, and I guess you know, I mean, he debt. does. He does wish he could be a wizard, but wizard. you know, unlike yeah. Luke, who wants to get out of that farm, it's town, true. and yeah. he wants to go join the rebellion. Yeah, or. Uh, you know, or Alex from Last Starfighter who just wants to leave the trailer park and go to college and go to France or whatever. Yeah. You know, like he just, he, they Silly want they want to leave the Not Christopher Guest. Lance. Lance Guest. Not Christopher Guest. Different person. <laughs> <laughs> Entirely. But, uh, but in a way, he does want to. Be, he does want to be a wizard. So he does. He does have aspirations other than being. A uh, farmer, but I wonder if it, a if it's pa- farmer. Yeah. If it if it's past that, he has to face his his um. His fears, or he yeah, has to yeah. face his his phobias. But to be a his, wizard, he has to, you know, kind of gain confidence and trust, exactly. trust in himself. And, yeah, and yeah, and, and realize you know, that it's in him. And then that's you know, it's all from the. Be- it's like these new Star Wars movies where the girls had the force the whole time. She didn't freaking know. She's just throwing things around. <laughs> and, you know, it's like all of a sudden you're like your your talent's there. You just have to hone it, and you know, so you get that story going, and you know, and it's and it's and it's fun that. Uh, Val Kilmer, like a Han Solo, isn't he's not completely bad. Like you know, yeah, I, yeah. I know I had forgotten. He's a scoundrel, yeah. but he's got a good heart. He's like the yeah, he's the pirate who's like you know redeemable at the end, where he's gonna come and save the day in his Millennium Falcon boat. Hi, <laughs> 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 <You laughs> kid. Yeah, exactly. I'm coming here. Yeah. You know, so it's like you have that, and he's not he's not a total douchebag, even though at the beginning he's stuck in he's this thing. He's kind of douchey in the beginning. Yeah, and he's a womanizer and all that kind. Of, but then he's like he's he's got kind of a heart of gold, and then you have the little guys, the Lenny and Squeaky. Who are kind of like <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Uh, they are like the R two D two and CP three O brownies, you know? What they yeah, and those were. Free. I mean, that's see. This is another thing I love about this movie, where it has there's so many uh, fantastical elements of uh, of fairy tales and fantasy. Like you yeah, have fairies, fairies, and you have the little people. You have little people, as in like Warwick Davis, the good witch, and the bad witch, which which of the east, which which of the west. You have you have the little people, as in like like you said the the bit. What did you call those people? Were they called brownies? The brownies something. The, maybe something the like Co- that. Kevin Pollock people that live in the woods, yeah, yeah. and then well, the other guy who the guy who's like his partner, the taller guy, the Lenny, yeah, <laughs> exactly. The Kevin McKean. he's in a lot of stuff. Or Michael McKean, you would totally recognize him. He's in Gung Ho, but he's he's one of those guys that just pops up in yeah. a ton of shit, and you've seen him a million times. You can't really tell. Is he a comedian by trade as well? I don't think he's uh, like a stand-up comic because there's think a, he's an actor. There's a story where the, when they were filming him and Kevin Pollock would go do like sketch comedy next door, and then oh, they he could have he could have been. I could see him maybe being <clears throat> like one of those you know, improv, like, like an improv yeah. troupe guy. But he is a guy that just like he was most recently for me. He was in uh, there was there's a show that's on I think Showtime that's about stand up comedy in the 70s called uh, like I'm dying up here or something like that. Yeah, that's I, I enjoy it, but I'm also just kind of into the history of comedy in it. Uh, even though I'm not a huge stand-up comedy guy, like I'm very interested in the history of it. Sure, but he's uh, he plays a part where he plays like the booking agent for the Carson show. Oh, is this the show about Jim I've, Carrey? Is like the executive producer, but of it's it. all about the Carson show. No, there's there's a show that's about all about the Johnny Carson show, but it's like you never. I don't know if you get to see the Carson show or whatever, but it's about this the is about uh, a club that's based on not. It's not. It's not like specifically the uh, the club that Paulie Shore's mom owned the in laugh, L.A. The Laugh Store, it, but it's inspired by that. Yeah. And there's a female character that runs the uh, runs the comedy club. And yeah. it's about all the comedy 
there's about the comedians that go come through. There's some show but where he's on that show, but he's one of those guys that you've seen a million times. There's a show where it's like a, the it's the making of like behind the Carson show and it's like people playing producers and whatever and it's supposed to be that's supposed to be very yeah, yeah, good yeah, as yeah. well. And I don't know if they have archival footage of Carson or if they somehow CGI or whatever. We're we're off the we're off the rails here. Ah, it's late. Yeah. Um they also we brought up uh too the egg. too much leftover. <laughs> Left- yeah, but that's like you gotta get rid of this. <laughs> <laughs> Your mother ain't gonna drink this. It, it says it's expired. It's not expired. It's not expired. Is it see it curdling? <laughs> Your sister ain't gonna drink this. You gotta drink it. Um Paulina Kale, who we bring up the 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 really um contentious uh um Film so critic funny. from the seventies and stuff. Uh, they they say that they named uh, General Call the guy with the skull after her, Paulina Kale, Kale, Call, Kale, General Kale, and then the Siskel and Ebert. They named the monsters. I think that's funny. It was like yeah, like Siskel Ebert, Ebert, Cisco, or something. Yeah, like that. and it's funny. I didn't even realize the uh, how he. It's kind of sad how he makes them. Like he hits it on the back of the troll, and then they fall, and then he kicks. Someone kicks it. It's like these poor little things, like and then it falls in the water, and then the shit happens, and it's all yeah. like they're breathing fire and all that kind of a thing, and they're cutting heads off, and and I, you know, it it becomes this mythical battle, which I love all that. The sword, not you know, that's I've been saying that to my wife a lot. Like I want to go back and watch all those swashbuckling movies that um, what's his face are in um, oh, what's his name Lamont. Uh, Cranston, not Lamont. Yeah, no, the other guy. <laughs> the whole podcast. Well, he's in there. Oh, Lamont no. Cranston isn't. But what's the Rocketeer? That's Lamont. Novell. Novell. Oh, Sinclair. Novell Sinclair. Sinclair. Yeah, yeah. Devil. Novell. Neville, Neville, Neville Sinclair. Sinclair. Yeah, yeah, remember how he's in? He plays the the uh, the what's his face in those movies? The yeah. you know, the uh, may you <laughs> drink of my lips as deeply. Yeah. So it's. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So it's like I want to go back and watch all those. I, you know, it's I, this, it's it, it's fun and it's weird because you would think this would have had a bigger, if you got um, hell, if you have freaking Ron Howard helming this, and it's when and you it's said a, Lamont, I knew who that I knew who exactly you were talking about. <laughs> but you said Cranston. I was like, yeah, his name's Lamont Cranston. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 like, not no, 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 Baldwin. That's oh. a shadow which we did earlier this year, <laughs> or last year. Uh, the plug oh, you there. mean Neville Sinclair? Neville Sinclair, yes. That's, yeah. right. That's how I had my head. Yeah. So the the uh, you know they they wanted to shoot some of it in China, but China wouldn't let them. But uh, I guess they go to the China border. They're able to shoot blue screen some stuff, which is cool. Uh, then this whole morphing thing, I think, is really not not only is it a big achievement in film history, but especially for this podcast because we're always re, we're always going backwards and looking at how and we've talked about all these other movies that end up coming. It's all like puzzle yeah, yeah. pieces. So this is it's amazing that they, they originally the, we're getting the pieces out of order, but yeah. we'll put it in the cabinet. <laughs> and then we're starting to get a picture. We're getting the four corners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Once you get the corners in, you're good. But it's all sky, so we don't know where we are. It's, it's, it's a cloudless day. Um, it, it's amazing to think that, you know, they were trying to figure out how to do this, and then the first idea was what they were going to do, stop motion animation, and then they were maybe even going to try to, like, do straight animation, and then they said, you know, what we can actually do is we can... There's an what is hire guy to Dennis, figure out how Dennis, to do it. Um, Mirren, yeah. Mirren was like, you know, we'll get a guy. There's technology. We can write something. And it became very simple where I guess it was just they would take, and it's very much like the Michael Jackson black or white video where it's like you just have the end result of each end yeah. and the computer will and then cheat. Tell, yeah, you just tell the computer to fill in the blanks. And the computer somehow. And so for this sequence, which is all, it is a very almost, it's a kind of a, uh, what do you call that? Uh, a centerpiece of the movie, like when you're w- building up to this. Yeah, well, you've seen it fail. Yeah, a couple, yeah. <laughs> a couple so of times you're you, waiting for the... And then you see this elaborate thing. I mean, that must have been all... I don't remember particularly in my viewing of it in the cinema of, of it of that, but I, it must have been all-inspiring because when we were that. watching it and you see the failed attempts, 
I'm like in my head, I'm kind of like, is this that scene? Yeah, you're like, where? And then yeah. I'm like, but I've seen that. Sh- I've seen that shot so many times. Yo. I know that's not the background. Yeah. So I know that this isn't. This isn't. <laughs> no, this isn't the scene. I gotta wait till they get to that that spot. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is it. Uh, and then you know we talked about the soundtrack, of course, and that's that's used all the time. So I don't, I don't. It's just weird because shot in Wales and New Zealand. Did you say that? I know you said China. No, they shot it. They shot it in the what the Elstree Studios in England. Well, they shot the interiors in Elstree Studios in England. Yeah, but a lot of the exterior exteriors were shot in. In New Zealand is where the snowy stuff is. Okay, because it's the the cliffs, right? It's the opposite climate. Yeah, when they shot it, it was there was no snow. Yeah, and on the northern hemisphere, so they had to go to the southern hemisphere because it was their snow. winter. Yeah. So they went to New Zealand, which yeah. uh, again, Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah, and then Wales is where they do all the Doctor Who stuff now and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Like, but the I think wa- some of know. the castle stuff, at the exteriors yeah. of the castle stuff, were in Wales. And talking about Wales, uh, I when I was on the toilet doing research of looking up uh, what's his name, uh, Chuck or uh, was it Chuck Cunningham or whatever Cunningham his name is on in the um, little Opie Cunningham. Yeah, no, the the br- <laughs> the, the brother that got that got written out of the damn thing. It's a uh, Saturday Night Live reference. <laughs> the uh, they end up talking to. Um, they interviewed him, and he he did after this. He did very little acting. I guess I don't know. He just lost interest or didn't do anything. So he ended up buying a lighthouse on the on the coast of Wales that overlooked. He could see on the other side Dublin because he's Irish. Mm-hmm. You could see the lights of Dublin. Then he ended up. I guess he raised his children there, and then now he lives like in the English countryside, like in a cottage, and he's out of the um, out of the game. But I remember seeing Jesus um, Death Wish three. And he's the bad guy in Death Wish Street 3 when they're terrorizing. That's the one with, like, Martin Balsam, and they're terrorizing the na- neighborhood. He's got, like, a like a tattoo or a scar on his forehead that's, like, a cross. And he's, a, like, you know, he's the head <laughs> bad guy. And, and very much like the end of uh, Invasion USA, um, Charles Bronson grabs, like, a bazooka and blows him out of the window. Uh, but he's terrifying in that movie. And he was just a, such a bad, uh, a good bad guy. So to see him in this, I'm like, oh, I know that guy. And then, you know, you go back and you rework him to the first season of Happy Days. It's just like he's such an odd fit in that series. And then to match him to be the son of the guy who, like we said, uh, uh, Dan O'Hurley, who's in like Robocop. And, yeah. you know, little do we know the, the Irish people who are, in, who are listening to this are going to be pissed because we're continuously mispronouncing their names. <laughs> Well, that's our style. Yeah, just to continually mispronounce everything. Uh, Jean Marsh, who plays the Queen uh, Bavmorda. Yeah. She's in Frenzy. Yeah. Oh, well, Hitchcock. Hitchcock movie. And she's also in The Changeling. Uh, George she, C. Scott's? He, she's George C. Scott's wife. So she gets killed like in the first scene. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> the phone booth. Yeah. I mean... I don't, she yeah. survives for the entire movie. She's there the entire time, and even the like something as elementary as those dogs—they were just like Dobermans or Rottweilers, uh, Rottweilers in masks. And it's pretty f- it's bad. Frightening. I mean, a lot they're of like times, giant rats. Yeah, because a lot of times you see. I feel like we did another movie recently that had demon dogs or something on uh, on leashes, and to me, they seem very much like just dogs and masks. Yeah, but this one seemed like they actually. I mean. Um, aside from them running around that you could tell it must be an animal or something it seemed very original you couldn't really tell at all where the aside from the four legs where the animal started and the mat, the makeup began um, as you indicated there was uh, a novelization by Whalen Drew yeah um, and that has a lot of this other stuff in it like you're saying you know the, these parts that I guess were in the original Bible that Lu- Lucas came up with mm-hmm. but they just didn't have 
you know, they didn't have for some, you know, I guess they were able to draw on it for the novelization, the backstory about um, what happened to the daughter, the, the, the daughter, why she turns the father being in this in the stone. So he maybe he was a wizard or something from that. So she must have bed the evil sorceress must have bedded him to get the daughter maybe used it to her benefit or whatever yeah yeah you know there's a couple deleted scenes that i think that are in the book where willow transforms uh he drops one of those acorns well, yeah there's apparently yeah. a big thing where they make they make he's got three acorns he only uses two acorns yeah and apparently there's some kind of mention which i didn't pick up on this viewing but apparently there's some kind of mention that he's out of acorns yeah like, well, where's the where's the third acorn, Willow? Yeah, yeah. what would you do with it, Willow? Huh? What did you Apparently, there's a cutout scene where he drops it uh, while they're on a boat. Yeah, and it turns into stone. And it turns into stone, and then the boat sinks. And that's a, I don't know why you'd cut something like that out, because that's a great, you know, that's a great little what moment What if game? There. Uh, yes. John Cusack? As audition for Mad Mordigan? And you, I could see along here John Cusack around. I mean, it, uh, you know, John. We, we found a lot of, it seems that John Cusack is not, uh, is, is not, uh, audition for almost everything we've done. <laughs> it's almost, if it's in the '80s, the what if game is that John Cusack? Yeah, he probably. I, I, so John Cusack had a good agent that got him a lot of auditions. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing. And then I guess Ron Howard turns down doing the second um, Cocoon movie, the Cocoon: The Return, 1988, uh, to direct this film. He turned down directing that film. You asked um, earlier, and we kind of glazed over. You asked me if it, if I feel like this movie has like the Ron Howard touch. Chuck Cunningham is the older brother. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and I, to me, I, I can't really pinpoint like I what the Ron Howard. Like Ron touches. Howard isn't like an auteur to me. At least I don't recognize. Well, to that level, I don't. You know, I don't recognize like the commonality. You can't pick out like Apollo thirteen. Like that's Ron Howard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I know I know it's Ron Howard. Night I, night I, night uh, night shift. That's Ron Howard. You know, there's a period where you could have been splash. Like, could have been like splash night shift gung ho, and I could have been like, oh yeah, like. You know, Ron Howard, but... Well, because he's going after, like, a kind of story. Yeah. You know? And he's got to... And those, all those movies have, like, you know, in some ways, a certain brand of comedy. It's interesting, because then he works... You get Night Shift. He's, of course, working with Henry Winkler from The Fawn, so he's in that. You get Michael Keaton, and Michael Keaton jumps over with him to Gung Ho. Yeah. He's working with Gung Ho, and then you get Splash with Tom Hanks, and... He works with Tom Hanks later on and cocoons with all the older people. What's the... I know we talked about this when we did Wilford Brimley, the Ewok movie I've never seen. <laughs> just just so you just so you know, Blake. <laughs> you, know, you know the Wilford Brimley Ewok movie, right? There's I know that there are Ewok TV specials and an Ewok movie, but I, I thought don't they know made if, an Ewok movie. I don't know if I've ever seen it. Yeah, but I... I Wilford have Brimley's a, right, I have an image of like a little girl... It's yeah, kind of like futuristic, and there's like a, there's an old outfit. man, you know, and so like I'm, I have images of it in my head now that you bring it up, but I, and I may have seen it, but I, I'm not. Uh, then that has no bearing on this yeah. conversation. In my head, she's kind of dressed up like Captain EO. Yeah, exactly, kind of like <laughs> kind of Michael Jackson, Captain EO thing. Uh, so yeah, I, I almost believe this could be the Star Wars universe as well. It's like you know, I mean, this. Yeah, I've, I don't know. I hope not. Why? You don't want this to be another extension of Lucas's? Well, I just don't want the Empire. Oh, coming and fucking shit up here. <laughs> the sh- Laying waste. <laughs> or the new, what is it called now? The New World Order? The New gen- new new Order? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they come in. Like, I just don't want to see. I don't want to see <laughs> you that. You don't want to read in the papers. <laughs> you don't want to read in the trade column that the uh, that they ended up doing. Colonize all this. that, yeah. that and, planet. Well, you know, that's another thing that I like about the lines, where it's at the beginning, the... 
the landowner or the landlord says to him, you know, you're going to be working in the fucking mines or something, you know, and it's like, oh, that's, oh, there must be my terrible mines that these little people have to go in and much like the seven dwarves, you know, makes sense. Hi ho, you know, dime, you know, we're, we're a thousand diamonds shine. Um, but then, you know, you get Alan Ladd Jr. who ends up, who I think was pinnacle in getting Star Wars done, right? Lucas had the connection. I believe so, yeah. So he's the one who fronts half the money to do this from maybe at the time he's doing, he's at 20th Century Fox. Well, by this point, he is like, Lucasfilm is kind of an independent company, but they need co-financing. Yeah. Like, he is kind of, he is putting up money. Like, he is, he's putting his money where his mouth is, but they do need distribution. Well, it's the kind of, it's the kind of idea where it's like, you know, nobody wants to, you know, no one wants to put up because they don't think these... Because evidently Lucas's idea is he envisions this movie doing as well or gets as big as, I guess, um, like E.T. E. Yeah. So, and then it doesn't go that way, but that's his idea here. So, it's and f- the critics are pretty harsh about it, too. The critics kind of, like, say this. Yeah, you know, you know, it's got, like, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes and mixed reviews, but, you know, the the, the critics that do kind of go at it, they're a little harsh. Yeah, about it. Of course, you know they make parallels to Star Wars, um, or they. Of they, course, it's the year after Princess Bride. Yeah, so they say this is so. It's gets compared to that when it comes to awards and stuff. It's the same year as Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, so it is nominated, but then Roger Rabbit Robert, wins it. Roger Rabbit's winning everything for technological achievements and stuff like that. Uh, so it does kind of. Uh, fall into the shadows a little bit. Yeah, one thing, and they knock Ron Howard's direction too. Like he, he, he it's some, re- it's he's at fault somehow for all this. Yeah, though he's too, he was forced to be too preoccupied with the special effects. What's well, like the It's not as big of a special effects extravaganza as you would think. Not as, like a Roger Rabbit or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, or even a, like Labyrinth or something like. Yeah, that. I mean, you have very minimal aside from the practical effects of. You know, I mean, I love the idea that everything is small. So when you you're going, it's almost very much like the um, the Lord of the Rings stuff. But like, I love yeah. that the the little farmhouses are all small. I'm to not their sure size. there's a shitload of beautiful matte paintings involved. Yeah, and, but nothing too crazy. You know, aside from that, the the CGI bit. You know, yeah. that's that near the end of it, or or even the the pig sequences and stuff like that. And that's you know, like I said, too, there's so much frightening stuff in here for like you know, the '80s knew how to just take <laughs> stuff to up. yeah, you know, just take it to 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 that level there with with the end there. Um, one parallel that I had one kind of connection that I I kind of making is you know we we're talking about earlier. Five hours ago at the beginning of this podcast, we're <clears> talking <throat> about, uh, and I was telling you how I'm glad we saw this after Indiana Jones, yes. because knowing Spielberg, uh, Lucas's involvement and his, you know, the, 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 how much he managed things and blah, blah, blah. Now, if you recall, something we did before Indiana Jones was Star Wars. The holiday special, which we also referenced at the beginning of this one, and I just said Kazik or Kazook, whoever, <laughs> whatever the, where they're from. But remember, there is a story that we talk about in that one where the writers talk about how they met with Lucas. Oh, he came up with all that initially, stuff. and was like, uh, Han Solo's married to Wookie, <laughs> and we, and it was like all these crazy you ideas. Gotta, yeah, you got to go read. You get read. You got to go listen to our our Christmas. Uh, special from two years ago. And I almost, that's, look, I, think I almost wish we did Indiana Jones before that one too because then that meet, talking about that script meeting would have meant something totally different to me. Well, but, so a lot of people, we come out, 
uh, we've said this many times, but we come out praising the Star Wars holiday special. You know, where you, this is the only place Saturday night movie sleepovers are in you two guys like lovingly <laughs> looking back. Talking at for two hours plus about uh, in, in two plus hours about the Star Wars holiday special. And speaking about it very lovingly. Yeah, and (laughs) what we end up finding out is that... um it's Lucas has these script meetings with these with the they, they were um, I forget their names but they were actually like variety show writers for like Carol Burnett or whatever yeah, yeah and they get hired for this they have script meetings with Lucas and Lucas is the one that really lays out the whole life day ceremony he says hey look I wanted to because it's going to be played by this guy I wanted to put all these <laughs> he's like I wanted to put all these elements in the first Star Wars he's like but I couldn't fit it in but this is what I wanted to develop yeah, I wanted yeah. to develop because he's like because he keeps saying the emphasis is like you know this is all going to be Bible and canon so you got to really hang with me and he wants to develop the whole um chewbaccian world yeah, and yeah. that's what he says he's like little do people know that han solo's <laughs> married to a chewbacca you know or yeah, to yeah, a Wookie. Wookie. and then i said on that it's like well that's not even interracial it's like interplanetary inter yeah, that, that's yeah. like it's you know is it bestiality what is that and then the the the, the sketch writers were like what yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then that's when. So then, Lucas like, bails. Uh, yeah. and leaves them with a, uh, <laughs> he like leads them down the trail yeah, with all these breadcrumbs. And, and picks up all the breadcrumbs. Runs away. <laughs> they're lost in the, <laughs> the the woods, and they're like, "Where the hell are we? We're doing a sitcom show with Art Carney and B. Arthur and you know, that, Harvey Corman talking about that meeting." Yeah, again, in hindsight, like ha- having now having. Talked about uh, the Raiders, Raiders and, and all this. Now this, and yeah. like that meeting is, you know, yeah. par for the course to work on a, on a, no, no, on yeah. a Lucas project. I mean, if, if Blake and I ever have the the, uh, I don't know what you call that, even like the chance to even sit down with Lucas, can you imagine we're, ha- we're having one of those legendary meetings like that? Yeah. You know, but it's you get to, you get a real feel, especially if you can able to get that, which I think we might include as an extra on the Raiders cast if you can read the transcript of the uh, that meet that's very beneficial for yeah, people yeah it's really interesting you know for if you're even if you're a fan of of the show or if you're just a fan of writing and want to know like you know storyboarding and how they come up with stuff um so like we said a couple minutes ago because this you know Lucas is envisioning this to be something like an ET when it comes out and doesn't do well as it could have uh sadly there is an interest to do any sequels theatrically so what they end up doing is they do uh, novel sequels in novel form. So he outlines Lucas uh, a couple book sequels, which he calls Chronicles of the Shadow War, and it's a trilogy. And he hires a comic book writer and novelist, oh, uh, Chris Claremont. Yeah. Chris Claremont, who's best, I think, most famous for our generation for doing the X Men. Yes, I think he might. He might not positive. Don't ta- don't tweet us and make and uh, yell at me. But I think he might have done that giant size X Men. Like number one or With the, the four the book, covers, the one no, the one from like the seventies where it's the Wolverine and they're all coming at you oh, from okay. the cover, like the yeah. old classic giant size X Men one. Yeah, well, they got someone really established, That's like establishes the new X Men. Oh, within the different outfits and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah they uh, they bring him in to adapt it into a series of books, and uh, it's supposed to take place fifteen years after the original film, and it features a, t- a teenage uh, Eleonora or Eleanor, the, the the baby. Alora, yeah, Alora, Alora, <laughs> pronto, Alora, and um, I forget what the what the what the different uh, novelizations are called, but the 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 first ones, uh, 1995 is called Shadow Moon, the second one's 96 Shadow Dawn, and the third one is Shadow Star 2000. So I think that's pretty cool if you're a fan of the this series, you're able to go out and get Dive further into the universe, yeah, of- which I think is great and. Uh, we did say that there was a novelization that explains all kinds of stuff. And then for years, 
um, you know, there's always been rumor that there could be possibly be a sequel to this, and uh, everybody has been talking sequel talks for quite a while. Lucas and Warwick Davis has talked about a TV series maybe in 2005. They brought this up, and then 2008, uh, what's his face? Warwick Davis talked about it again, that there maybe be another theatrical film, and then they did on... Um, uh, in 2004, the life's too short, or 2000. What is that? 2014 or whatever. That mockumentary that that uh, that Warwick Davis was doing. Val Kilmer guests in that, and there's a joke there about it. And for many years, they keep talking about you know uh, doing a sequel or, or, or some kind of thing. And then in as late as 2018, uh, both uh, Warwick Davis and uh, I'm sorry, both Ron Howard and uh, Val Kilmer have brought up uh, tweeting stuff out about you know Kilmer talking about how like he, he gets asked about doing a sequel to Willow, Tombstone, and The Saint. And, uh, you know, he has all these ideas to work with Warwick again for another one. I think that would be really cool to do. Um, it's weird. I don't know what, what in, in this, you know, at, at their ages now, what they could possibly do. I mean, I'm sure they can figure anything out now with that kind of a thing. But it would be fun to come yeah. back and do, a, a, you know, some sort of a... Uh, some sort of a sequel to it with because you could probably bring back the majority of all the characters. You can even probably bring back the evil queen or sorceress and all that kind of thing. That'll be pretty fun. By the uh, way, I was wrong about the, that X Men comic, but he is best known for X Men. He did a lot of the X Men stuff, Chris Claremont, that yeah. we knew from our from the eighties. Yeah, you know, like the f- days of Future Past, and oh, yeah. Phoenix, and stuff like that. Yeah, so he's pretty big, and he was the one who who ended up writing and doing all or doing those three different. Uh, yeah, I don't series. know. It'd be t- I can't imagine because Val Kilmer ain't really doing that much anymore. He he battled well, he got illness. Sick, yeah. He had like throat cancer for a while and almost died. Had a tracheotomy and then he came back. And then what he was doing was he was touring. It's like you think Hal Holbrook had the corner on doing one man Mark Twain plays, and then Val Kilmer was like, no, 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 I'm going to do a one man Mark Twain play too. And it's like, wow, what really? <laughs> so now Val Kilmer's tur- touring the country, maybe even the world, doing a one man Val uh, uh, Val Kilmer play. Val, yeah, one man Val Kilmer, <laughs> uh, a Mark Twain play. But it's funny because when you hear it, it's him doing Doc Holliday. Yeah, yeah. doing. Val- yeah, I'm here, Huckleberry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's doing. He's like, no, uh, bring two guns for such an occasion. <laughs> yeah, suddenly, yeah. I, 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 luckily, I never my feathers for such an occasion. <laughs> Look at here, look at here, little, little <laughs> cotton now, see, because he's, he's Rooster Cogburn or not, whatever, what's that name, uh, what's the guy's name, Dogwood Rooster. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yo, 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 as bright as a nine-watt bulb or whatever it is. Fog, Lord. Fog, Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, you know, he, it's funny because he was notorious Val Kilmer when I remember when I growing up that he was supposedly a real a-hole on sets. Uh, not this movie, but when he got, you know, pretty big after <laughs> Thunderheart. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I heard particularly on the island of Dr. Moreau, the John Frankenheimer movie, he was a real dick and some other stuff and then there was a problem. But then I think in later years, uh, you know, he's very nice. I had a Twitter, a Twitter interaction with him some years ago or Instagram where he was talking about stuff. So I asked him a Doors question, like how did you research to play Morris? And he said like they opened the vaults and he was able to listen to anything they had you know either legally or bootlegged it, I remember you know. I told you I worked on a film where there was yeah a but s- you never told that never, that, that never came to fruition yeah right you, you worked on a I worked on a film where we were this it, was the early odds you told me this 2003 yeah before. we were working I was working on a film and we were interviewing special makeup effects people and the the one of the special special effects makeup people was told us that he had just recently worked on a movie 
where Val, Val Kilmer was playing Jim Morrison again. And that like was a cameo. circa 2002 or Yeah, three. it was early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. And then I looked, I mean, I know he came up and he was in an episode of what, um, uh, very famously, I think he's in an episode of uh, Entourage or like, you know, he's the, he, yeah. he, he bit part here and there. And I thought he was always a great, you know, he, he can do like, I loved him in The Saint when that came out in the late 90s. I was all <laughs> into that movie. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It was all fun. And he's, so uh, he's great in uh, Heat. <laughs> he's great in Heat. You know, we never exp- we never find out what's wrong with his elbow in Heat. Yeah. Iceman. We do the Heat episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll find we'll, we'll, we'll really delve into that. But, <laughs> but you know, the, the new uh, Top what's Gun the movie? one with uh, Kiss what? Kiss Bang Bang? Oh, phenomenal. Yeah, 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 Remember yeah. that movie where he plays the trumpet or the saxophone? Who, Johnny Depp? No. John, Johnny Depp. Val <laughs> Kilmer. Val <laughs> Kilmer. He came out when we were in college. He plays the saxophone. Or it might be a trumpet. He might play the trumpet. He plays the trumpet. I know he plays Elvis in True Romance, but you never see him. Remember, he's the in the Idol. mirrors. The Idol. Uh, what's what movie he plays a trumpet? And what, what's the what's the what's I don't the remember. what's the? F- is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Is it I think horror? it's like a weird indie drama. And he's playing a trumpet. Mm. He plays the trumpet, and he was also in a. I'm not a big David Mamet fan, but yeah. he's in a movie Spartan. I think is the name of it. Yes, which is a movie that I saw in the theater, and at opening night, oddly enough. Don't you have good memories of this movie? And I I've do, never seen and I it. remember liking it. Yeah, I, he's in Salt and Sea, which I love. Maybe that's the, does he play the trumpet in that? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a he's an, he goes he's a DEA or he's a he's a something agent, undercover agent, and he goes in because they're he's tracking down meth, and he meets um, Vincent D'Onofrio, who's like lost his nose from doing meth, and it's real freaky. But he's 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 trying to arrest people for doing like meth down in the, you know, like. Uh, he uh, doesn't play the trumpet. In that. I don't think he plays the trumpet in that. Uh, but that was really good. But then he kind of got ill. That was, and then after he got ill, he kind of stopped acting for a while, and people were very worried. But now, although if you Google he's in the new, t- uh, if you Google Val Kilmer trumpet, yeah, Salton sees what comes up. So maybe he, but but he's a cop in that movie going undercover. So maybe he's. I've only saw it once, and I really liked it, but I don't remember the trumpet being attributed to that. It says while you know when it shows like the in Wikipedia when it shows just like a sentence dot 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 yeah. and then like something there's dot 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 while playing the trumpet in a burning room dot dot dot. Well, maybe that maybe it was him. So he plays the fucking. I told you. Yeah, Salton Sea. I told you, Dion. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've always had an affinity for him. I thought he was really good. I mean, him in the doors is phenomenal because that was back in the day where people, you know, maybe their ears weren't as good. It was like the uh, what's his face and Ray, you know, or Jamie Fox, where people weren't realizing he's also doing his own singing and yeah, all that kind yeah. of a thing. So uh, it's a good cast in this movie, and it's it's they're all getting their starts. I mean, what year is this? Um, Eighty-eight. So Top Gun is 87, so he's fresh off of Top Gun and Top Secret. Iceman. <laughs> Iceman, you know, doing that old, with his teeth. <laughs> uh, and that's fun, they're coming back with that. So it's, uh, you know, I would I would have, at the time, I would have been ripe up for sequels. If you brought back General uh, Kale, I would have been I would have been completely into that. That would have been fun. And, uh, I mean, that nothing is, for a kid of like seven or eight, is awesome as seeing like a bad guy with a fucking skull mask. Yeah, yeah. You know, like they, that's Skeletor almost there. Yeah, you know, yeah. Incarnate. Well, you know, they t- with the sequels, they're talking about where it's a, more about Alora. Yeah. It's like a teenager. Alora. You could see them being in it. Yeah. You know, reprising their characters as like elder now yeah, she'd be fun. more than a teenager and but then also you can even explore now the she'd I- be like 40 <laughs> or you can explore the 30. idea of her like um 
Val Kilmer and what's her face raising her. Yeah, yeah. You know, almost as like their kid. And because evidently like, we don't ever know it, but it would be fun to explore in a sequel, unless they did that already in these books, these shadow books, is that if she's talking to who she's the, the baby's talking, the baby's like, oh, you know, that's Willow and Willow. Like the baby's yeah, yeah. very cognizant of already what's going on. I don't know if that's baby jabber or because <laughs> she's a princess. That's she, jibber jabber. Yeah, it was that jibber jabber. <laughs> but or or is it that you know she. Is gr- she already has that mind in a body? She just can't articulate yeah. it and you know, vocalize it yet. So that would have been fun to like learn that kind of behind the scenes stuff. But so you you coming at this, never seeing it all the way through, even thing. And I know you were you were a little trepidation, like I don't know if I'm going to like it or whatever, or you know I'd have no nostalgia to it. Watching sitting down with me, finding the tape and putting it in. I mean, this must have been a fun viewing for you then. Yeah, back. I liked it. I yeah. mean, of course. I mean, it's you know there are there are some movies that. You know, we watch and I don't have nostalgia for, and they like, you know, they just don't really hit home with me as an adult. But then there also are other movies that I see, whether it's through the show or elsewhere, where I watch a movie. And even though we never saw it, like Fantastic Four, the, the Corman Roger one, Corman one that yeah. we did, that yeah. never got released, but we did that as an early episode of yeah. the show. And watching Captain that, America last year, even. And even Captain America, this idea of the like, I never Corman really. unreleased 1991. I never really saw Corman. it. It wasn't. I didn't grow up with it, but watching it, it's so of its time. Yeah, it's which, rem- which like I'm nostalgic for it, even though I never saw it. Yeah. Like I'm so that's happened recently, and I was like, I watched a movie recently that's from our childhood, and I uh, I said to myself, we should do this on self. We should do this on the show sometime, and it was The Wizard with Fred Savage, the one with the power glove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Super Mario three or and this, two. And this, oh, I thought, I thought we've had that on the list for a while, probably. But I yeah. was like, I just saw for, I watched it for the first. It's time. basically uh, freaking. It's, it's Rain Man. <laughs> it's what it is. Yeah, it, it's Rain Man. If you take if you take over the top and Rain Man, put them together. It's Wizard, isn't it? Because I've only seen it once when it came out. Because I had that Mario Brothers that they premiere at the end. Yeah, yeah. And that was the big thing. That was like the part of the yeah, and the, the kid with the power glove. But like, I, it was a movie that obviously I knew about. When we were kids, and I remember the power love, and I remember Super Mario Three, and all that stuff, but I just never saw it. And so when I watched it a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> even though I had never seen it, it was like watching it. I back felt then. like I was a kid because it was so early nineties of its time. Yeah, <laughs> like, is like it really, that is a movie. It's not great, yeah. but it's totally worth watching. Yeah, of course. If you're from yeah. our generation. Did I bring that up? I brought that up in another <clears> podcast <throat> when we bring up the power glove. I had some asshole that used to like wear it at, at the schoolyard. <laughs> and like, you really got to rub it in our faces that your parents bought you that, and then you're going to be playing like ball with that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I want you a douchebag. Yeah. Ball. I bet you that kid's making like seven figures now, that fucking asshole. That jerk. That son of a bitch. So like, yeah, I enjoyed, and it's weird because, you know, I hadn't, I can't tell you the last time I've seen this movie. But saw it in the theater, and I saw it enough that I re- was remembering all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, this part dragged for me as a kid, and didn't now, or you know, oh, this is scary, or this kind of stuff. And it's and that was satisfactory. I never, like you said, I guess it is you. You, I guess, phrased it for me. I never would have thought of, and it's not a, it's not a, a slight against him. I never think of Ron Howard as an auteur like that. Yeah, yeah. I know his later stuff. Um, I've seen him <coughs> on the street once. He walked by me with a big old freaking beard. Yeah. I was like, hey, Ron Howard, a big old freaking beard. 
<laughs> he's starting to look more and more like his dad. Yeah, he he's starting. To, yeah, exactly. He's starting to look like Clint Howard. You know, yeah. that, you know that kind of. But um, uh, well, not Clint Howard. Not, well, you don't think he's kind of looking like a little? I guess he's a little his, bit like his Clint. head's getting prominent with but the he forehead. Like, he looks a lot like his dad because he lost now. all that. You know, he's lost his hair at a young age. But anyway, so like, you're right. I've never like splashed these movies or quirky movies, but they're not necessarily like I knew Ron Howard directed Apollo 13. But I'm not like oh, you know, <clears throat> like if you were like what if you showed now, me Willow. Did, did he do the last? Did he do the last Star Wars? He did. He took, o- he took over as Han Solo. Oh, Solo. Solo. So that's Which, weird. by the way, I loved. Okay, yeah, I haven't I seen that Solo. It's one of my favorite movies. I only Jedi. just saw The Last Jedi two, two nights ago, <laughs> full disclosure. There. Solo and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse might be my two favorite movies of 2000 Of all time. <laughs> of, uh, of last year. Yeah. But, um, Ron Howard. Had you shown me, like if you showed me Willow, yeah. and you didn't tell me who directed it, you didn't show me the credits. Yeah. And you John Borsman, and you gave me like a who's <laughs> multiple like, like a multiple choice five. Like all? I might have picked Joe Johnston, or yeah. you know, there's a lot well, of. Well, we brought him up at the beginning. Joe Johnston, ilk that like Joe Johnston, who has uh, you know, we said he directed the Rocketeer. He helped create Boba Fett. He helped put Boba Fett in that Star Wars holiday special. He what executive produced this, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I saw in the credits, I but didn't he also s- did. Uh, Captain America, First Avenger. Captain America. Captain America, First Avenger. Did he do like the third Jurassic Park movie? Yeah, Jumanji. He was the first person after Spielberg because, yeah, he did Jumanji. And then when when this movie was over, we left the credits on. Blake went to take a whiz. And I'm watching the credits. That's where I saw that uh, Mobius he came up on yeah, the, and yeah. I was like holy crap it's we brought him up in the fifth element episode we brought him up I think again in the Star Wars holiday episode because he did that little Boba Fett yeah, uh, yeah. Our animation scene and there might be another movie that we talked about with with the Ralph uh, Batchy yeah, uh, we definitely Mobius has come up a few times. Yeah, we didn't like we're like, well, John Mobius Godardi, or, <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, you know, he must have did conceptual work here. Joe Johnston also directed a movie that I love, Hildago. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> with what's his face, Viggo Mortensen. Viggo right? Mortensen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like so. It, there are all these other people who are connected to this movie, which which is insane and crazy that you know that you don't realize. Uh, it's it, it may, you know it made me want to go watch for some reason Time Bandits just to see how many people overlapped yeah yeah you know in that era it did kind of make me want to watch Time you know? Bandits too and we've talked about doing it on this show not that we're doing that next week but we've we've talked about maybe pulling out like what Terry Gilliam movie to do and then you know or Time Christopher Bandits. Columbus is uh, Chris Columbus is yeah. another one that I might have thought directed this yeah so it's you, you know so it's it's got that feeling of those that troop yeah. But I would never would have been like, oh yeah, this is a Ron Howard. Yeah, movie. exactly. And that's like you said, it's not a here nor there. It's not. We're not going to be critical flight. of him. I'm not. I'm not. I'm the totally pro Ron Howard. Yeah, <laughs> I love Ron Howard. <laughs> not, yeah. You know, you love Solo. You just said I love Solo. Yeah, I love Gung Ho. You love Gung Ho. You know, I love what I saw. The Happy Days. Great. Night Shift's great. Night Shift's great. Yeah, that's a Christmas movie as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was fun, and it's 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 it's. To see, I, I, yeah, I don't remember last time I sat down and watched this whole thing. I was pleasantly surprised. It held up. It was fun. Yeah, it was an it was adventure. Good. It was a good pick. I think yeah. it was a good year opener, season opener. Yeah, and we got a lot in store. You know, this year is going to be some crazy stuff. And you know, we got a lot of anniversaries already. We're looking at some other stuff that we've been talking about uh, that for a while. We said we get to that maybe we'll do this year. Yeah. It's always hard, you know, because either Blake and I will will sit down and and do some planning and and plan stuff out really well, or we'll you know we'll we'll fly by the hip and we'll uh, 
we'll, we'll go from week to week, not even knowing what our next one's going to be. Uh, much like this week, we didn't know what we were going to do till the very last minute because we were just so, um, you know, our day lives were crazy and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, but I'm glad we picked this one. Yeah, it was it was fun. It's a great, it's a good season opener, like I said, and it, and, it, and it leads to a lot of different stuff. And then little did we know, it was part of this big puzzle piece of the jigsaw of <laughs> all these other movies we talked CGI about. Effect, yes, Lucas, we, and all yeah, all these all these things come together, and they're all part of this cosmic mash. When um, we start putting together the box set of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. <laughs> Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Uh, we can put this into the George Lucas box set or into the discussions of CGI special effects. Yeah, box. yeah it's, it's, it's really different. Yeah, which different styles are we going to go with? Different, different. It, well, it's also different regions where you get the box set from. It's different. There's different things. You know, all the v- VHS. You know, and then this is another thing too, where you and I we tried to go find it. It was very hard to find because it's I guess difficult to find. They're yeah. now maybe re-releasing it. Uh, they're going to do some sort it of seems DVD like it re-release. might be doing some kind of DVD even though now they've missed that the 30th anniversary yeah, by, by a year it seems like it might be coming out soon maybe on but, but it already had a blu-ray release I think yeah I couldn't even I know, find like, that all I could find were like foreign region one foreign versions you yeah know? and then it was like you know because we just you know it was kind of last minute but we were what we're going to watch and then we look to see if you can rent it for streaming wise until Dion was able to dig out the old tape. Yeah. Uh, Luckily my parents had the But it was over. like everything was for pre-order. Yeah, exactly. So, which we didn't understand. Like what does that mean? They're re-releasing something. So luckily we were able to find it and uh, you know watch the thing and then supposedly like you just said this Blu-ray if either the DVD release or the Blu-ray release I think it was for release, the 25th anniversary. They had the cut they had the, the cut with the scenes I think with him dropping the acorn and some oh, of the yeah. other deleted scenes because Warwick Davis... They, do you think they extended the movie or do you think they just included them in deleted scenes? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I th- From what I read, I think Warwick Davis did a podcast a couple years ago where he was talking about his remembrances of a lot of the stuff. Evidently, yeah. they filmed a lot more that they left on the cutting room floor and I think that it was presented either as d- DVD uh, deleted scenes or it was in an extended cut. So anyway, but yeah, so Willow, great, 1988, good fun movie. We're celebrating the old great. 31 year anniversary, um, and we got a lot of fun stuff coming out this year on Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Another exciting year. Uh, we're going to be here doing things. Um, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find us where you get pod- where you get your podcasts from, iTunes and the like. Uh, we're on the CLNS Media uh, Network. Uh, CLNS, we're CLNS doing stuff. Media Network. We're doing stuff with them. Very nice. Um, let's see. I've got my book out, Blood in the Streets. You can get it uh, uh, for order on uh, paperback, uh, ebook, or audiobook. Uh, check that out there. Uh, Amazon or wherever else you get your stuff from. Uh, Blake's got scored to death. We've got scored to death conversations with some of horror's greatest composers. It's also a book. And is on Amazon and uh, just in paperback, uh, and also a Kindle or, or ebook. Uh, I got the Story to Death the podcast, an extension of the book, and I'm also now hosting Cuts from the Crypt on, on the Damn Fine Network, where I get to uh, play and talk about what else. Horror movies, of course. <laughs> you like DJing? I keep calling him like, "Play Misty for me." Like, no, it's not that kind of a show. I'm like, come on, but play Misty for me. Technically, I guess I could play that. It's in a movie that you could argue is a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh shit. 
Uh, so yeah, that's that's fun. And then you could check us out. You know, uh, if you want to support us, go go buy our books. Go check us out there and check out Blake's podcast as well. He's doing, and then now the customer crypt. That's fun. Uh, yeah, I've already done the. F- I've done one episode so far. So far, so good. <laughs> Everybody's staying focused. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened once a month. It's the last Saturday <clears throat> of every month. Oh, that's when cool. that'll drop. Yeah, and uh, do we have any? We probably have surprises for this year with the podcast. We just don't know them yet. <laughs> we just haven't figured them out. Yeah, yet. we just figured them out yet. We do have a lead on what we might do for the next episode. Yes, yeah, because it I was kind of a, it was a, it was a, uh, uh, kind of a, a tie of doing it for this episode, and you know, we were kind of. But on, that's a movie that I've definitely love. I think it's a lot of movie. I think it's a movie that most people will not expect. Nope. But it's a movie that I. Uh, have a great fondness for. It's a movie that I think I saw twice at the movie theaters. And it's a movie that Blake and I f- saw together in the theater. Yeah. So I think the first time you went, you might have went with me, and then you might have went a second time. With a week later with somebody else. Yeah, which is, so I remember that screen very well. <laughs> and we loved it. it so that a, gives you a little bit of time period yeah. where it might be from. Oh, that's true. Yeah, right, because it was in the 80s or 70s <laughs> or 60s. Uh, so that's, that's fun. So that'll be coming back in two weeks, and uh, we're sorry for the delay. Some people asked us why we weren't up last week but you know we took a little extended week we reset at the new year date and now we're at the second week and we'll be out every other and week we apologize because the rest of you are wondering why is this episode so long yeah, what the hell's <laughs> they're just rambling again <laughs> jesus christ so uh happy 2019 and we will see you happy in two weeks new year and until then later, later.